our Daytona NASCAR Race Review with Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Jay, are you there? There's the uh, mute button on. I'm not sure. Um, I hope you guys can hear me. Uh, we are uh, in for a big show tonight. We've got two big guests that are coming on here tonight. Uh, but we're going to start with talking uh, a little bit about, uh, actually, it's um, Sal. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Uh, we're going to get started tonight uh, and talk a little bit about uh, uh, some uh, short track racing. Uh, we'll talk about some Camping World Truck Series racing, and then we'll talk about the Arkham Menard Series race in Altona uh, this week. And uh, at 9 o'clock, we have a guest coming on, uh, Christian Rose. Uh, who is an Arkham Menard Series driver this season uh, for Cook Racing Technologies. Uh, he's also uh, promoting uh, Go West Virginia, or Tourism for West Virginia, and uh, we'll talk to him about all of that when he comes on the show. He raced both at uh, New Smyrna in the Arca East as well as the Arca Menard Series at Daytona this past week. So he's uh, coming off a busy schedule there. Uh, then we'll get into our Xfinity Series uh, race review. And at 9.30, Sal, you have a guest coming on board. Yeah, we have uh, Brian Olson from the uh, SRL Southwest Tour. Who's going to talk a little bit about um, this uh, this year's schedule, along with some of the changes that they made during the off season, as far as um, holding some pieces, some pieces, holding some races back east. Yes, yes. In fact, they had their first race back east at uh, Citrus County uh, Speedway on February the twelfth. So we'll talk a little bit about that tonight as well. Uh, and then when after that, we'll do our Cup Series review of the Daytona 500. What an exciting race that was. And uh, 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Vampire Racing crew. So, Sal, let's go ahead and get started uh, with some of the short track racing. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get caught up on, and this ties into our guest at 930, is they had uh, the SRL started a new series this year called the SRA, the SRL National. And Ty Majeski outdueled uh, Bubba Pollard in their inaugural race out at Citrus County Raceway uh, on February the 12th. I don't know. Did you get a chance to see that race on Flow Sport or uh. anywhere, so? No, I think, uh, no, nah, I didn't. I forget what the heck, what the heck happened that weekend. I didn't get a chance to see it. Oh, okay. It, it was pretty, pretty good. Uh, Ty held his own. Bubba Pollard came in second, though. A lot of people kind of expected Bubba Pollard to be the winner. Uh, but Ty Majeski, uh, uh, held him off for most of the race, and uh, it turned out to be really fun watching the two of them 
uh, raced each other. Uh, another familiar name, some other familiar names in this race were Derek Griffith, Jake Garcia, yeah, Patrick Staropoli. Remember our friend Patrick? Yes. I know it's been a and while since he's been out. He was in this race. Uh, it has yeah. been a little while. I'm going to have to catch up with him and see if we can't get him back on. Um, Jake Finch, uh, some familiar names that you've heard before, uh, but we'll be talking to Brian Olson about this during the 9.30 half hour as well, um, this, this very first race for the SRL National Series. Yeah, it's... it's um... It's really exciting to see, you know, what the SRL, you know, has done, you know, with, uh, you know, with making it out, you know, back east, you know, doing that, actually doing these races. Um, I know, um, uh, hopefully, you know, brings a lot of uh, attention, you know, to our West Coast. You know, hopefully we can see more, more of the East Coast guys, you know, come out and, you know, join our, you know, our West Coast. Well, actually, our our Southwest tour, since this is the national tour, you know, hopefully we can see him, you know, make the jump, you know, and come over, you know, and, you know, race some of our Southwest tour races over here. I know we have the, the, um, we still have our winter showdown coming up in, a, in a, about another month over here at, uh, over here at Kern. So, so I guess we'll just exactly. see how, how it all plays out. Exactly. Now, you know, Ty Majeski was just announced he's going to be racing a uh, full-time Camping World Truck Series this year with Sport Racing. So uh, he, I think he finished seventh in the race uh, on Friday night. Uh, but he, he's coming off of this uh, win in the inaugural uh, SRL National Series as well. Uh, another familiar name that people will be uh, familiar with uh William Byron uh, has won a couple of late model races recently. Yeah, he, he's he won back out there. And, um... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's a good chair. I was just going to say he's getting back out there, you know, and giving, you know, back to, you know, what, you know, where he got to start from. And, you know, it's it's nice when they have these off weekends, you know, they have a chance to, you know, take advantage, you know, and go back to their roots. Yeah, and something we'll probably be talking about on Hot Topics is I know that, uh, uh, you know, HMS this year, Jeff Gordon is with HMS now, and uh, he's really been encouraging the drivers to get out there and talk to uh, a lot of, you know, get involved in some of these other races. Uh, Well, William Byron did that. He won one of the races and the super late model during the Asphalt World Series, uh, and then he went out and won another one here just very recently. So uh, these guys are doing that, but it almost sounds uh, like Hendrick Motorsports is wanting to get more involved in some of the grassroots racing, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, it is, and Jeff Corder has always been, uh, you know, he's always, you know, been one of the grassroots racers. Um, Every once, every it seemed like every race that we had um, over here in Urdell on a Saturday night, you know, that was, you know, that was the same weekend as we had something as the auto club race. 
you know, Jeff would, you know, come by Erndale, you know, and make an appearance, you know. And a lot of time it was that's when James when James Bickford was um was running the um the lay model program over here. So with that being his cousin, you know, he used to come out here, you know, and watch James um watch James race, you mm-hmm. know, and, and make an appearance. It was yep. always cool to see him come out. We've got James. Uh, James wasn't able to make it on last week. We had him scheduled to be on the show. Uh, he's going to be on March 7th instead. Uh, so watch for James Bickford, who is uh, Jeff Gordon's cousin. Uh, he'll be on our show coming up on March 7th. So that's pretty cool. Also, Derek Thorne uh, came up with another announcement. He's going to take part in the Martinsville 300 and Thanksgiving Classic uh, in the late model stock majors. Uh, he announced earlier that he would be racing out east, uh, not just out west, and uh, he's just added a couple more races to his schedule with our yeah, race cars. Yeah, that was a, that's some exciting news. He's um, kind of venturing out, you know, a little bit now with, uh, you know, um, you know to you know to you know to cover more races out that way. You know what and. and you know, now with this with the sponsorship coming in, you know what it, it makes it you know it makes it you know that much more exciting for him. You know, you know that he can get out there, you know, and, and you know partake of these races. I, I know that there's a there's a few that he really wanted to do, you know, and, and with the help you know of other teams, you know that have you know that have climbed on board, you know, and you know picked him up. You know, like of course, you know we know he's going to be a slinger this year too, the Slinger Nationals. Yep. And I know that was one yep. race he he had really wanted to get back to because he had lived out there for a while and was racing out there way, way back yeah. in the day. And, uh, you know, for him to finally get back, you know, get that chance to get back out there and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and get those races in. Oh, very, very exciting. Uh, now we're going to go a little out of schedule here because we're going to talk about the truck series race before we get into the Arkham and Art series race. Uh, but I'm doing that uh, purposely because our guest that's coming up at 9 o'clock is an Arkham and Art series driver, uh, Christian Rose. So uh, we're going to talk trucks first and then Arca. So Zane Smith, uh, driving the number 38 loves truck in the Camping World Truck Series, won the season opening NextEra Energy 250 on Friday night in overtime. The win was his first at Daytona and the fourth of his career. Uh, and what set that up is a caution flag wave just feet away from the white flag on lap 99 for a wreck that included uh, 19 to 20 cars. And instead of the race ending, they were shown the red flag so that they could clean up the track and lined up for an overtime restart. Uh, the number 98 of Christian Eckes was scored as the leader at that point for the restart. So uh, once the restart waved, uh, Zane Smith lined up on the outside, and with the help with a, a push from Parker Kligerman in the number 75, he was able to move past uh, Christian Eckes to take over the lead and draft in the low lane and held on for the win. So Ben Rhodes, the defending race winner in the last year's series camp, followed by Tanner Gray, Parker Twiggerman, Jesse Little, uh, pole sitter Ty Majeski finished in seventh, uh, Danny Bone, Carson Josefar, and Matt Benedetto rounds out the top ten. Uh, stage one was run by uh, John Hunter Nemechek, 
Uh, he pretty much dominated most of the race because he also won stage two. He led 50 laps, uh, but unfortunately he was involved in a crash on lap 99 that took him out of the running. Uh, there were 18 lead changes among 10 drivers, seven cautions for 27 yellow flags laps, and the average speed of the race, 129.146 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts there about the results? Yeah, it was a it was a it was a really good race, you know. Um, you know, uh, all in all, you know, I mean, you know, we you kind of knew you were gonna what we were gonna get, you know, with the trucks. You know, we get that every you know every year, and um, you know, it was uh, you know, it was a it was a good win for Zane, you know, and it was you know, it was gosh, you know, the end of the race just really you know played out, you know, for excitement, especially for the fans that were in the stands that got to see it all. Yes, indeed. I was really impressed with how many fans came out uh, for the weekend of racing here. Uh, now, Lawless Allen uh, finished 25th. He was highest finishing rookie, Sal. Yeah, it was uh, good to see, you know, you know, Lawless, you know, you know, avoid everything, you know, and get that, you know. Well, actually, he did get caught up in an accident, but, you know, to see him, you know, uh, uh, you know, get to get the you know the finish that he did, um, gosh, because the other the other rookies just well, Blade got caught up in that wreck too. Mm-hmm. Jack Wood got caught up in a wreck, and Dean Thompson went out early with uh boy, he fell bad for Dean his first pit stop, and huh, wasn't a very oh, uh, I know. impressive one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know the bugs will. There's probably a lot of uh, butterflies in everybody's stomach for this uh, season open event at, at uh, Daytona. Uh, but as things settle in, I think we'll we'll see them. And and just like every year, it seems like it takes them about a half a year to kind of get their feet underneath them. And once they do that, the second half of the year is always more exciting. Look at Riley Earp. He's starting to come on real yeah. strong. Uh, also, and you got to remember, too, this motor- is- I I think that this was Dean's only Dean's like second start in a, in a truck. Yeah. But he had never he had never been at Daytona, so you know. Yep. Either way, it's not an easy thing to do. Sounds easy, looks nope. easy, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, Front Row Motorsports uh, has now become the second organization to win both the Daytona 500 and the season-opening Camping World Truck Series race at Daytona during the same weekend. The other team that did that was Roush Fenway Kevlowski Racing. <laughs> so pretty cool to see that happening for Front Row Motorsports. Yeah, it is. You know, it was a... Um you know, it was a like you said. You know, it was a it was a good win for Zane. It was a good good win for the team. And uh, you know, to see one of um, you know, one of our own was also part of that team from out here, which was uh, uh, Dylan Capello, who won the um, who won the the pro lay race over here at Irondale for the All Star Showdown. He's um, he's one of the he's one of the crew members for Zane. So it was oh, great cool. to see him. You know, get out there. You know, be able to celebrate. Yeah, there was uh, quite the West Coast uh, presence in the Camping World Truck Series. Zane Smith, of course, is from the West, uh, as is uh, uh, well. Ty Majeski's from the Midwest here, 
but there, you know, we mentioned um, Lawless Allen uh, being in this race. Riley Earps was in the race, uh, and then you've got Blaine uh, um, Blaine Perkins. Yes, that was Dean the other Thompson. one I was trying to come up with. Yeah, yeah and Dean Thompson. A lot of Yep, yep. A lot of uh, West Coast presence there in this uh, this race this weekend. Haley, so Corey Heim Haley also raced Haley Deegan. Yep, you're right. Corey Heim was also in this race in the number 51. Uh, so uh, that was cool to see as well that he was able to race in the Truck Series race. I think he's going to be racing full-time in the truck series this year. But he uh, he did double duty with racing in that ARCA race as well. Yeah, it was a good weekend for Corey Heim. He's a really good guy. I got to meet him out at the Snowball Derby this year and got to talk to him for a little bit. And uh, um, uh, he's a really, really exciting, exciting person. Yes, he is. He had a banner year last year. Uh, him and Ty Gibbs pretty much dominated the Arkham Art Series last season. Uh, Ty Gibbs, of course, is racing in the Xfinity Series this year. Corey Heim uh, went on to the Truck Series. Uh, and uh, he, of course, raced, as I mentioned earlier, he had a double, double dose this weekend of Daytona. Uh, by racing not only the Truck Series, but also the Arkham Menard Series. So, uh, uh, like you said, it was a good weekend for him. And uh, I'm glad you had a chance to kind of meet him and talk to him a little bit. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was pitted next to uh, next to Derek. He was pitted like um, actually two, two cars over from him. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, Kevin Reed was his crew chief. Oh, so yeah. I was talking with Ke- and then I was talking with Kevin, and then and then Corey came out of the hauler, so I I stopped talking to Corey, you know, there. Then you know, then also you know later on in the day, but um, yeah, Kevin Reed was his was his crew chief for the um, for Snowball Derby, who who was also Haley Deegan's crew chief. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to with, get um, Kevin uh, Reed on the show. Yeah, he said give him a, give him a buzz anytime we want him on. He said let him know. He said he'd be willing to come back on. Okay, cool. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to that Arkham and Art Series season opener at Daytona. Uh, Corey Hyman and Training Motorsports uh, pretty much repeated what they did last year at Daytona International Speedway, except uh, uh, they opened the the season with a victory and uh, won the race following an overtime restart. Uh, They didn't really have that this year, but uh, they were able uh, to win again uh, two years in a row uh, for Corey Heim and Ben Trini Motorsports, but I think it was the fifth consecutive Arkham Menard Series victory at Daytona for Ben Trini. So uh, it was Heinz's eighth trip to Victory Lane in the Arkham Menard Series dating back to 2020. Uh, So uh, it was a big day uh, for both the organization and the driver. Oh, yeah. Anytime anytime you come back and, well, just just to win at Daytona, then to come back and, you know, win, you know, know, the the next year back, you know, it's really exciting. You know, it's like, you know, the biggest race. 
you know, at this, like the driver's say, you know, it's, it's the biggest race of the season for them, you know, you know, next to racing for the championship, you know, and it's a nice way to start out the season. It is a nice way. One real quick thing I want to mention about the truck series uh, that I just forgot to mention earlier and I wanted to make sure we touched on. You know, the truck series have new trucks this year. So a lot of these drivers are making adjustments to the new uh, truck bodies that they have this year in that series. Uh, So that was one thing uh, that a lot of people were watching uh, at Daytona in the truck series. The next-gen car has gotten so much hype, people forget there's a new truck this year, too. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's because of the that's because of the the new gen car kind of overshadowed, you know, exactly. kind of overshadowed, you know, what what went on with the truck series. But okay, now uh, helping Corey Heim uh, to get that victory was his teammate uh, Parker Chase, who's also with Ventrini Motorsports. Uh, so they had a one-two finish at uh, Daytona this weekend. So you know it was a big day for Venturini. Uh, Finishing in third place was Daniel Dye. Uh, Daniel uh, goes to high school just a few miles away from Daytona. He lives in Dillon, Florida. So he finished third on Saturday. Uh, He's opening up his first full-time season in the Arkham and Art Series. He's racing with TMS Racing this year. Uh, as Sean Kaur and Dustin rounded out the top five in Saturday's race, and then it was Andy Jakowiak, Mason Diaz, David Mater the third, Cody Breidinger, uh came home with a top ten finish uh, along with Ryan Huff. So uh, pretty cool to see all that happening out at Daytona. Yeah, it was. Cody, actually, she's running uh, full season also this year, so it's going to be exciting to see, you know, what she can do. Yes, uh, I think her and uh, some of the other, there's another female that's racing uh, this year in the Arkham Menard Series. Um, We mentioned the top ten. You got Raja Caruth from uh, uh, Rev Racing. He finished in the 11th. Willie Mullins had a good day. He had a 14th place star. Amber Baltain is the other female. Uh, driving the number yeah. uh, 30. She came in 16th. Uh, some of the regulars uh, that we're familiar with, uh, Tim Richmond, Drew Dollar was in the race, Nick Sanchez again from Rev Racing, Michael Lira, I was glad to see his name back on the list, uh, Greg Van Alt, uh, Zachary Tinkle, we have him coming up as a guest on an upcoming March episode, so watch for him. Uh, Brad Smith, Christian Rose, our guest. Uh, his finish didn't really represent how well he was running. He really had a good car uh, racing at uh, Daytona, and uh, I really thought he was going to end up uh, getting a good finish uh, before it was all said and done. Uh, but he ran into some problems on the track. Uh, and I think it was, was it transmission issues? I'll tell you in just a second here. Here. Uh, he had strong cars at both New Smyrna and Daytona, but a wreck 
uh, while running in the top five at New Smyrna, took him out, and he had transmission issues. Uh, that's what I thought in the closing uh, laps at Daytona. So you know that when you look at somebody's finish, it doesn't always reflect how well they actually ran. And I would say that was the case for uh, Christian Rose. Uh, probably in both of those races, I thought he had one of the best-looking cars uh, out at uh, New Smyrna. I really liked his car. Uh, but, yeah, you know, when you get caught up in a wreck or your transmission blows, uh, not a lot you can do about that. Yeah, especially at a track like Daytona, a big track like that, you're kind of, you know, you're, you know, you know you're at the mercy of, um, you know, the track is just so huge, you know, it's just so big, you know, that, you know, you just, there's really nothing you can really do about it. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's kind of like you're at the mercy of uh, circumstances. Uh, but it was good to see Corey Heim in the number 20 Venturini Motorsports uh, vehicle bring home that victory. Uh, and uh, be able to celebrate in victory lane. Venturini, one of the stalwarts of the Arkham Menard series. Of course, that means the standings. Guess who's at the top of the standings? Uh, let me <laughs> for, guess. <laughs> for the Arkham Menard uh, series. It can't be Corey Heim. Yep, it's Corey Heim. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a strong contender for the entire season. We'll have to wait and see who rises up uh, to contest with him. I will say it was kind of a repeat of last year in that uh, Tanner Gray and Max Gutierrez uh, were part of the 1-2-3 last year as well. Uh, so am I getting that mixed up? I might be getting that mixed yeah, up with the new Smyrna race. Yeah, you probably are. Cause Max, uh, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, it was a repeat of the new Smyrna race with the top three drivers, just a different order on how they finished. Um, so with that in mind, the Menard series uh, uh, will be back in action. Uh, March 11th at Phoenix Raceway, that will be televised on MAV-TV. It should start uh, uh, on that uh, network. Uh, you can also follow along at arcaracing.com. Uh, that race is also at Sioux Chief Showdown opener event uh, at Phoenix. So the, the drivers that are competing in the Arkham Menard Series will also be competing in the Sioux Chief Showdown championship, the very first race of that group. And then also on March 11th is the general, the general title 100 is a season opener for the Arco West. So. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting, it's going to be an exciting weekend over at Phoenix in, um, in two weeks. Right. This weekend we have the auto club 400 coming up at, at, uh, at, um, Overcome Speedway, but yeah, when um when Phoenix comes around in a few weeks, it's going to be an exciting race weekend with the, you know, with the Arkham Arts and the um, Arkham Arts Xfinity and the um, Cup Series. 
Absolutely. Now, the Arkham and Art Series East will be back in action a week later on March the 19th at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern at Five Flags Speedway. You're familiar with that track, Sal. Uh, they'll be racing the Pensacola 200, and you'll be able to watch that on live streaming on Flow Racing. So uh, a lot coming up here for the Arkham and Art Series in March. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be an exciting fight. You know, finally get to you know get to some you know some racing every week. You know, you know get all the series you know out there and get them started. You know, get the drivers you know back into their groove and and see how this you know how the season is going to start to play out. Absolutely, we're coming up on the top of the hour, and it's time for our guest. He is here. So I am going to go ahead and bring him into the queue right now so that uh, we can talk to him. Uh, Christian Rose uh, raced both New Smyrna and the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, so he had a double effort out there in the Sunshine State. He drove the number 20, I'm sorry, the number 42 uh, West Virginia Tourism Chevrolet for Cook Racing Technologies. So, uh First of all, Christian, welcome to our show. We're happy to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with us. Uh, I know I was reading uh, some of your history here. You're a former Division I baseball player for the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and uh, you kind of traded your glove in for a steering wheel. So, uh, tell us what uh, how that came about. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up a huge NASCAR fan my whole life. Uh, my story's a little different than everybody else. I mean, nobody in my family is a racer. Nobody's come from a racing background. Nobody was a fan. What started what really made me a race fan was a, a Jeff Gordon Rainbow Warrior remote that sat in our house when I was younger. Um, so I started playing baseball <laughs> at the age of four and played till I was 24. And basically, I had an opportunity to snuck in the garage when I was younger, <clears throat> and I got to meet a couple of the members of BJ McLeod and some of his guys. And they basically said, if you want to race, we'll give you a test and all that stuff. And I, I came home all excited and told mom, and mom was like, you're going to finish your baseball career, and, and you're going to go to college. So I was like, okay. Um, so we, we kept playing baseball and chasing that dream, and, and we were sitting on the couch in the summer of 2018 and watching a race, and all of a sudden, I looked at mom and was like, you know, if I, if, I, if I chased racing, I think I could have made it. You know, we had some we, – we could have played baseball after college for a little while. It wasn't going to really go anywhere. I was like, racing where I think I could have done something. She was like, well, why don't you call BJ again? And that's what we did. And when we got a test session, and we just happened to be pretty quick that day in the test, and the rest is history from there. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll tell you what, I thought you had one of the best-looking cars out on the track out there at New Smyrna. Hey, I really, I really appreciate that having West Virginia and those guys on board. I can't thank Jim Justice and, and the governor and everybody else in the state that's allowed me to do what I do. Um, basically, with the message we're trying to share is that we have such a beautiful state, and you, like you mentioned, how beautiful our race car was. We're trying to get people to come check our state out, and um, the best way to do that, I believe, is to promote through NASCAR. Um, there, there's a huge avenue for that, and, and what we do is offer a lot of hunting, fishing, hiking, uh, and a bunch of stuff. So. I think it's a win-win for us and the, the state of West Virginia, what we're trying to promote. Absolutely. Uh, are you kind of a nice outdoor guy yourself? Uh, yes, I love the fish. I love the hunt. Um, one of my sponsors, hopefully here in a couple of weeks, that we're going to have on is uh, 
hopefully we'll be able to share some news with you guys pretty soon. They're, they're a big-time fishing group, and we'd love to get offshore. Um, anything we're going to be doing outdoors, I love to hike. Uh, my girlfriend's a big hiker and stuff, so wherever we get an opportunity to go get outdoors, we try to. Okay. Uh, now, we have our co-host here tonight as well. Uh, his name is Sal Sagala, and uh, I know he has some questions for you, too. Uh, I, I, we've been talking about you racing at New Smyrna and uh, at Daytona. So, Sal, you're up. Oh, thanks, Sharon. Hey, Chris, first of all, um, uh, thanks for coming on to the show. And, uh, you know, um, uh you know, you're, you finally got your first, uh, you finally got your first, uh, ARCA race under your belt. Yeah. I mean, it was, thank, first of all, thank you guys for having me. And, and yeah, Daytona was a blast. I mean, for, for a kid that's always been a race fan to, to get the race at Daytona International Speedway, it's an absolute dream come true. Um, learned a lot, learned a ton. We, we mixed it up in the draft there a little bit. Uh, we got checked up and got our bumper packed in there towards the end and kind of killed our speed because it basically had a parachute hanging off the back of the thing towards uh, the midway point, and then we um, had a transmission like go on towards the end. But um, that's just racing stuff happens in it. But man, Daytona was a blast. I wish I could go back and redo it because for the first time feeling a draft, how the air works, the car moves it around. I learned way more as the race went, and if we could have started from where the race finished, I think we compete a little even better there. You know what? It, it had to be really exciting because um, uh, the Smyrna isn't really too far from Daytona. And um, you, you know, to you know, to go from New Smyrna, you know, to Daytona, you know, you know, to a bigger, you know, a lot bigger track, you know, where the speeds are a lot, you know, the speeds are a lot, you know, more, and you know, and you know, and then the fact, you know, that the that the level of competition, you know, of course, you know, you're going to have the the, you know, the the parity and all that. What was it like when you first when you first drove through the gates and knowing, you know, that you were going to get your laps in over there? Um, it was, it was absolutely unbelievable. Like, uh, every day we rolled in there, even for practice and qualifying, I had my headphones in and I was just trying to savor every moment. It, it's something that not a lot of people get the opportunity to do. And I'm very lucky and blessed uh, that I have a family and, and sponsors and uh girlfriend and everybody that allows me and supports me to, to do what I do. Um, so when we pulled in that gate and seeing all the flags and the campers and everything else and everything that goes into, uh, what making Daytona is so special was just, it was incredible. Um, and then going back and forth from New Smyrna, New Smyrna, a short track that I've run late miles at a lot. It was really cool to get the opportunity to race the um, stock car over there. So all in all, this has just been one of the best weeks of my life. I've been very lucky and blessed to have this opportunity. Um, both both tracks presented these their different sort of challenges, but Daytona is really cool because it's, it's pedal to the metal, wide open, and I, you know I had to learn how to drag the brake correctly the right the right way um, in the draft. So that's, there's nothing really. Could, prepare for you for that outside of just being inside the race car and doing it. So, um, like I said, we learned way more as the race when I got better. Um, the car was handling pretty well. Just unfortunate. The Daytona and Super Speedway racing, there's just things you can't control. You know, and we always talk to, you know, the drivers, you know, especially the up-and-coming drivers, you know, sponsorship isn't what it used to be in racing anymore. You know, you know they're, they're just not knocking on drivers' doors. How how tough or how how hard did you have to work, you know, to get the, you know, to get the sponsorship, you know, to run in the, you know, in the in the Arkham and Art series. Yeah, it, it, sponsorship's tough in general, and, and the problem, uh, I don't know if it's a problem or not. It, it's just trying to show what you can do for a sponsor. 
And it's very hard to get to the right person to, to bring that to their attention. And basically West Virginia and everybody were like, for what we did, it just seemed like the right fit um, for the economic development we can do for the state. That's what we're trying to do and bring attention to our state and bring people into it. You know, NASCAR and West Virginia just fit one-on-one together. We have a ton of fans in the state of West Virginia. It's an absolutely beautiful place. But to uh, answer your question, it was very tough. We, we knocked on a lot of doors and, We've got a lot of help, and then we've had people to turn us away, and it's just part of it. Um, it's 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 a tough sport to hang around in, and unfortunately, it runs on sponsorship dollars. But we have some very good opportunities, and we've been very lucky and blessed to have been presented what we have. Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad to see you know so far everything's working out. You know, I and uh, I just want to say, you know what? I'm uh, good luck the rest of the season. I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon because I know she has a lot more questions. And um, thanks for coming on again. Hopefully we get you on, you know, in the in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Now, one of the things that uh, some people may recall is that last year you raced a couple of ARCA West races, uh, both at Las Vegas and at the uh, in the Bull Ring, and then again at All American Speedway. Uh, you had top ten finishes in both of those races, uh, and and uh, you came back this, you know, to race uh, full time this season. Um, talk a little bit about what you learned from that experience uh, that is going to help you this year, and then what you learned from both Miss Myrna and Daytona that was going to help you moving forward in both of those series. Yeah, I mean, basically going out west, um, that was my ARCA debut out there on the ARCA west side. Uh, Vegas was very fun. It was hot out there. But I I basically learned how these heavier stock cars work. You know, they're a lot heavier on braking, um, a lot more, you know, you can be aggressive with the throttle, but you've got to be cautiously aggressive with how you work it, especially on the longer runs and these longer races. Um, So Vegas taught me a lot. Roseville, we actually had a very strong run. We were were okay, and we were decent at Vegas. Like you said, we brought it home in the top ten, but Roseville – had we stayed green, I think we would have had a shot at the win. We drove from 19th all the way up to 5th, and we were chasing the guys down in front of us. Uh, it just didn't work out for us there at the end. PJ actually ended up winning the race, and we, we drove away from him by straight away under green. Um, it just the mm-hmm. way the restarts worked, we just got kind of shuffled there. But um, it taught me a lot going into New Smyrna. New Smyrna was a um, it was a hard-fought race for us. I, I was, I've run a lot of laps there, and going from a straight real car to the ARCA car was a little more difficult because I, I just know how to run a pro late and late, or super late pretty well around there. And I think I was a little too aggressive throughout the race and, and was using my stuff up a little bit too much there. But um, it, we were still going to come out of the top five finish. But unfortunately, we got some contact and, and got turned into the fence there late. But um, we're going to use all that going forward. Our, our goal for the year, basically, I'm still a rookie. This is year three for me. I'm behind on experience. I'm learning a lot. But our goal is just to run all these laps, continue to click off top ten finishes, hopefully throughout the season. And towards the end, you know, hopefully be fighting for top fives and wins. That's that's our goal. But the first goal, first and foremost, is to just run all the laps and learn. Exactly. I think that's a good point. Uh, I I agree with you. I think you would have had a top five finish. Were you able to finish that race? I know you got uh, caught up in a record. Uh, New Smyrna, and I think he had a transmission issue at Daytona. Um, uh, but that finish, no way, reflects uh, how well you were racing in both of those events. Yeah, it's just part of racing. It's unfortunate, but, you know, that's over with, and we turn our page to the next one. 
Um, you just got to have a short memory in this sport, and it's the same with baseball or any other sport. You just have to be able to turn the page pretty quick and look forward. Yeah, I think that's that's good advice. Um, now, you're working with Bruce Cook and Cook uh, Racing Technologies. Uh, talk a little bit more about your team uh, and, uh, you know, how that's uh, working for you. Are, are you gelling? <laughs> yeah, this this team, so I've been with these guys now. This is uh, almost year three, two or Going into two and a half years, actually, uh, the team's pretty much the same team. Uh, we're a very tight knit group. Um, Bruce is very good at what he does. Bruce has been incredible and very helpful in making me a better driver. He he really pushes me and expects a lot out of me, and that makes me a better driver. Um, and, and he's done a very good job of put, like putting the right people in the right pieces around me to give me a chance to be successful. So. Uh, I'm working with a new crew chief this year, Derek Peebles. He's been phenomenal for the test in January in Daytona and, and his first race with me at uh, New Smyrna in Daytona. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of friendships in this shop. There's a lot of uh, – we, we all love each other. We, we treat each other like family. So I, I think as the year goes, we're going to continue to build and be stronger and stronger. So um, we have some high expectations. But we also have expectations of, you know, this is still a new thing for me and we're still learning. So we had the we we've proven we had the ability to click off top tens and top fives, but um, Bruce gives me the best car and the best people and the best equipment to go be successful. It really puts it in my hands going forward. Okay, uh, that certainly helps. Now you're are you going out to you're going out to Phoenix, right, for March 11th? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run Phoenix, and and we're looking at how quick of a turnaround we could have for Pensacola as well, because I know that's back to back weeks, but. Um, Phoenix is the next one on the map for us for sure. Okay, and how do you prepare for Phoenix? Have you raced at Phoenix before? I have not, but I, I mean, basically, I think what's allowed me to have somewhat of somewhat of success when I got into the sport early is that I grew up a huge fan. Um, when I when I grew up a huge fan, what I mean is I watched qualifying every practice session, every race from the time from the truck Xfinity or Cup Series from the time I was probably 10 years old. So I've watched a ton of film on Phoenix. What I'm going to do is go back and watch some previous ARCA races out there to see um, and stay in the gym and do stuff like that that helps mentally and physically prepare me for the race. But honestly, a lot of film sessions and then hopefully getting some uh, sim time or something along those lines that will prepare us the best we can before it. Now, have you had a chance to work with any uh, – I know you mentioned the Rainbow Warrior was your favorite uh, driver. That, would, of course, would be Jeff Gordon. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to any Cup Series drivers or have a mentor there? Uh, nobody really in Cup. Uh, I talked with Matt Tiff. Matt Tiff was a huge help for me in the start. So, I guess, yeah, on the Cup side a little bit. Um, you know, I've talked to some some of the Xfinity guys. Uh, Josh Berry was one of our teammates last year. So, Having those guys in our shop, Bruce has brought a lot of talent over there. We had Tyler Ankrum in on one of our cars last year, Josh Berry, um, Parker Ritzlaff, who, who has a lot of laps in our car. So um, Bruce does a very good job of putting good people around me to listen to and talk to. Um, we, we had Rick Crelly on top spotting for me, who's Eric Jones' spotter. Um, so I, I'm getting a lot of advice from a lot of these guys. Um Basically, uh, whatever I can learn, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a newcomer. So trying to be a sponge and listen and learn as much as possible is, is I'll learn from it. I'll listen to anybody. Whoever's driven a race car for an amount of time or an extended period of time, I've got to listen to them because it's going to help me be a better driver. Absolutely. Okay, I just got an email from uh, Chris. 
it looks like uh, we might do an update with you on March 17th. So it sounds like you're going to be back pretty quickly here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll definitely we'll, uh, hope you're available. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but if you're not, we can always reschedule for another time. But, yeah, I think uh, uh, we're definitely looking forward to watching you race uh, throughout the season here. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw for uh, Daytona and New Smyrna Speedway. Uh, I hope you continue to bring those uh, beautiful race cars to the track. And uh, let fans know how they can follow you, Christian. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's Christian Rose um, underscore on Twitter, Christian Rose Racing on Instagram and Facebook. Um, really, if you want to help us out, fans, whatever you can do to help promote the state of West Virginia is phenomenal. Uh, we're, we're looking to bring businesses, business to the state. We're looking to bring people, tourists to the state. Hashtagging almost heaven and hashtagging country roads. Please do it as much as you possibly can to help us out with that front. It'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you, Christian, and we'll look forward to talking to you hopefully sometime next month. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me and, and taking the time to talk to me. I really do appreciate it. Well, we enjoyed it as well, so thank you. Absolutely. Okay, take care and good luck out there at Phoenix. Thank you so much. Looking forward to talking again. All righty. All right, that is Christian Rose. He drives the number 42 West Virginia Tourism Chevrolet for Cook Racing Technologies. Look for that car on the track. Uh, I thought it was the most beautiful car out there uh, at New Smyrna and uh, also at Daytona. So, uh, Sal, that was uh, a fun interview. Yeah, it was. You know, it was, you know, you know, to hear, you know, all the, you know, excitement, you know, especially, you know, coming from, you know, sport that's, you know, just as exciting, you know, and, and, you know, to hear how he made the transition, you know, and, you know, you know, to go, you know, from, you know, from, from baseball and all that, you know, to the, um, to the, uh, you know, to, to the stock car race, you know, it's, um, it's neat, you know, to see, you know, that, you know, that there is, that there is interest in our, in, I'm not going to say our sport or, all of our sport, you know, but it's, you know, it's nice to see, you know, that, you know, that there are drivers you know, that are not drivers, but other, yeah, so, other sports that are interested, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, 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 you know, making the change, you know, check it out and see what NASCAR has to offer. Has to offer. Well, and it sounds like he's a passionate fan as well as uh, being passionate about driving. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool because he doesn't follow the traditional model of what we think of as racers. Uh, another driver who was like that is uh, William Byron. He didn't start racing until he was in his teens. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be fun to kind of watch and see how that all develops and how he grows within the sport. So uh, pretty exciting uh, to have him on the show here tonight, and I look forward to talking with him again. Okay, we're going to go yeah, ahead definitely. and get into yeah, I agree. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into the um, beef, what's for dinner Xfinity Series race. And uh, that was another exciting race on Saturday. Uh, Austin Hill uh, with Richard Childress Racing came home with the victory there. And uh, he made a move for the lead on the final lap. 
uh, Austin Hill won that Xfinity race at Daytona International Speedway. It was his first victory in 16 career starts and uh, is battling 100% while driving for uh, Richard Childress Racing. It was A.J. Allmendinger finishing second after losing the lead on that last lap. Noah Gregson finished in third. Riley Earps in, uh, was next, followed by Justin Algauer to round out the five. Then it was Sheldon Creed, Anthony Alfredo, Ryan Sieg, Josh Balicki, and Brandon Brown baking up the rest of that top ten. Daniel Hemrick in the number 11 won both stage, stages and led a race high 38 laps. He finished 28th after he was caught up in one of those late race incidents, something that always happens at Daytona, uh, a late race incident. The average speed of the race was 136.605, and um, uh, it was a pretty exciting race there at Daytona. Yes, it was, Sharon. It was a very exciting race there at the end. Um, you know, to see, you know, Austin Hill, you know, get the win, you know, and, uh, you know, like you said, you know, he, he'll, he's definitely going to be one of the, you know, one of the, one of the uh, favorites, you know, you know, come the, you know, come the season. I think to, to sum up the, the weekend in uh, a lot of these races that took place, uh, the winners were new faces in new places. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I was really impressed with that across the board, uh, that so many people in, in different areas uh, driving the car for the first time, being in the Xfinity Series, uh, you know, and, and with a new team, uh, you know, Austin Cindric being with a new team uh, uh, in the number two car for the first time. Uh, same thing with Zane Smith. A lot of these guys were in their cars for the very first time, so kind of cool to see that happen across the board yeah you know you kind of felt bad for aj allmendinger you know that was just yeah you know after the race he was just gosh you know i mean you know what could i do you know to to you know get this race you know to win this race and um you know it's it was neat to see you know what do we have we got one two well, two drivers looks like they're going to be contending for Rookie of the Year, Sheldon Creed. You know, finishing mm-hmm. getting a sixth place finish. You know, he's he's been he's been in a Xfinity car before. You know, but to see him make the move from uh you know from the trucks into the Xfinity series, you know, it's going to be exciting. It'll be a real exciting season for him this year. You know, and um, you know, gosh, but that that yeah, wreck both, by Mike both, Snyder. Uh, was, rookies were in that top ten. Who's the other rookie? Austin Hill is it? Austin Hill. Austin Hill. Hill that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. This is his first race, his first start, and and he and he got the win. Yeah. Oh no, yep. no, it wasn't. No, no, yep. no. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the cup. No, I'm thinking about Austin. Austin. Um. Cindric. Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, this is yeah, Austin, Austin Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah, it was Austin Hill. Yeah, I was getting everything mixed up. Two but, Austin um, winners. But man, you really. <laughs> yeah, you had to really feel bad for Myatt Snyder, man. Boy, he took a. Oh, I know. He took and a then, hard, he took it, a hard hit. Yeah, and Harrison Burton in the Cup Series, but yeah, they, yes. they took hard hits, and it just is a testament to what this sport has done to protect their drivers 
behind the wheel. Uh, the fact that both of those drivers were able to walk away is just amazing. It was it was it was really amazing. Uh, Austin Hill actually becomes the fourth different driver to win both the NASCAR Xfinity and Camping World Truck Series race at Daytona. He joins Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, and Mike Wallace, who have accomplished that feat. And uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's the highest finishing rookie of the race. It's also Richard Childress Racing's seventh Xfinity Series victory at Daytona International Speedway. Um, it was good to see some new names in that top ten, uh, and that sometimes happens at Daytona. Uh, but the, you know, a lot of people worked on the track. Yeah, they were. It was a. It was a. I'll tell you, it was a tough race. It was a. It was a good race. It was a tough race, and um, you know, uh, you know, and it's like it's like they say, you know, with Daytona, it, it, it it's anybody's. It's anybody's out there to win, you know. It's you know, you we all have our favorites, but you know, but it's not always going to you know end up that way. That's exactly right. And then then to see Riley get the you know to get a you know get a top five, you know, start off the season strong like this, you know, I I think a lot of it too is is the fact you know they had bad practice, you know, and qualifying so. You know, it's, it's giving the, the drivers, you know, a chance to, to, to chance, you know, to not just come in and straight off the plane, you know, into the car, you know, and, and you know, you drop for where you're going to start and you, you start racing, you know, it gives them a chance to, you know, loosen up, you know, get a feel for the track, you know, get work on their setup a little bit, you know, try and get, you know, get a car, you know, they, they're going to like, you know, a car that they can be competitive with, you know, then, you know, then the race. I just, I just think last year and the year before without the practice just really, it just really killed, you know, a lot of these younger guys you know, that were, you know, making the transition, you know, from different series, you know, to try to, you know, to try to, um, you know, put a good season together because our short track season, we still had, we still had all our, um, all our practice like, with the exception of like our, um, our, Arca Menard series, they didn't practice either, but like our super lane models and our and our pro lane model races, you know, we always have the you know the day before practice with the, like the SRL, you know, we have the Friday night practice, you know, and, you know, then you know practice on Saturday before the race, one practice and a qualifying, you know, so they get a lot of time out on the track, and I think this is just this is really going to help a lot of these drivers as the season progresses. Exactly, um, and and uh, you know these guys. Even though the Xfinity series is, um, even though the Xfinity series is uh, uh, a series with some people that are coming back, there's a lot of new people that are in the Xfinity series, uh, as well as some drivers. I was excited to see Ryan Vargas racing up in the top ten quite a few times uh, at Daytona. Yeah, he. Yeah, he had a good. Uh, he had a good qualifying effort. You know, that's what helped him. You know, run up in the top ten. You know, and afterwards, you know, he kind of settled back, you know, into the position where he normally runs. But I mean, you know, but to see him, you know, up there, you know, for the for the you know small time that he was, you know, was it was good to see that, you know. Um, 
uh, then last year's champion, Daniel Hamrick, you know, he had, you know, he had his issues too, you know, and, uh, you know, he was running up there and, you know, and fell back. Um, Josh Berry, you know, who's, I expect to see bigger things from Josh Berry than the 16th place that he had, you know, this past weekend. You know, I expect to see, you know, a couple, probably a couple wins out of him, hopefully. Yep, yep, I, I think uh, so. Uh, next up is Auto Club Speedway for them, so uh, I'm sure we'll see uh, some interesting things uh, from all the series. It actually is the Cup in the Xfinity Series. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun weekend uh, out there at Auto Club as well. Okay, uh, your guest is going to be coming up here in just a few minutes, Sal. And uh, I want to uh, give you a chance to kind of set that up. Uh, Brian Olson's been on our show before, uh, but they've got so many things going on out there. Yeah, you know, we usually get them on before the before the SRL season starts, but, you know, with the All-Star Showdown, you know, starting, you know, while we were still on hiatus, you know, from our vacation, and then from the All-Star Showdown, then they went, you know, to their next race. You know, we really didn't have, they got real busy, you know, and, you know, and, you know, trying to get everything, you know, set up, you know, for the, you know, for what they had for the first two races. And, of course, we got our third race coming up, you know, at the beginning of the month, you know, in Roseville. But they've been really busy. And they made an announcement about that today, too. I'm sure he'll talk about that. Yeah. It's something John, it's something John, um, John Moore did, uh, I think it was last year or the year before. John Ward had done kind of like the like kind of like the same thing. Jim Environmental, who's a big, big, big supporter of the SRL series, and he actually is one of the racers in there. But um, you know they they've been busy, you know, uh, you know, putting the schedule together, you know, trying to you know, you know, try like I said, try to do the East Coast West Coast thing, which is which is good. I think it's great for the series because you know it gives the you know. It gives the East Coast guys, you know, a chance to see, you know, a chance to actually race and see what, you know, what our series is about. And they all talk about it, you know, that 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 the SR that the Southwest Tour is one of the one of the biggest and best paying and we know one of the most strongest um, touring series that's out there because most of the ones back mm-hmm. east they only run three or four races, five races, and that's and that's their whole season, you know. And a lot of them, they're not even running for points anymore. Championships, they're just running for, you know, just for you know for the big for the big dollars. But uh, you know, the SRL, you know, our Southwest Street, you get the both of, you get the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Well, he's here now. If you want to go ahead and bring, uh, I've got Brian in the queue. If you want to go ahead and do the introduction. All right. Our our next guest is is Brian Olson from uh, from our SRL. Uh, Southwest Tour out here on the West Coast, which is now also added into the East Coast with some with some dates out there. And uh, I, I know, man, the first two races that they've had, the All-Star Showdown, along with the one at Citrus County Speedway, you know, the, the two winners we've had, you know, Derek Thorne and then, of course, Ty Majeski with the Citrus County just really boosts up the, you know, when you talk about, you know, having mar- marquee drivers, you know, you know, that are, you know, that are out there putting their timing, you know, and, and helping the series, you know, and you really got to uh, thank, you know, Brian, Larry, and Marion 
and of course Ricky and the rest of the crew, you know, for all the hard work that they do to keep this series going on throughout the you know, throughout the season. And with that we want to welcome Brian to the show. Hey, good evening guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So it's been a it looks like you guys had a really uh, more busy offseason than what you normally have, adding, you know, these you know, these extra events, you know, with the um you know, with the national tour you have going on now. Well, I mean, Sal, we used to have an off season. I don't even think off season is really even part of uh, what we do anymore. It's kind of funny. <laughs> people say, people say, well, what do you do? You know, during the months of de- December and January, but you know, that's that's kind of our money months for us. That's when all the planning, sponsorship, everything gets put in place. So now, when we run, you know, last year we ran December nineteenth was our last race, and our first race was you know the first weekend of February. So it was kind of nice to almost get an extra full month between twenty one and twenty twenty two, and. Obviously, with the new SRL National, um, you know, races that we're doing east of, you know, east of, east of the Rockies, so to speak, um, you know, it adds adds to our, you know, our umbrella of events across across the United States, and we're excited to branch out and, and do something different, expand upon, you know, what we've been successful out here on the West Coast. Um, obviously, you know, with 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 Ricky at the helm of of what we're doing, that makes our lives, everybody's lives, a lot easier. And that uh, definitely came to fruition at, at Citrus County Speedway. We had, you know, I think we had in the, in the 29 Super Late models, had a great field of cars, um, great weekend. It was a great, just a great inaugural event. Everybody was happy. Um, issues that people thought we were going to have were non-existent. Um, we had drivers, like you said, we had, you know, Bubba Pollard. We had Ty Majeski. We had Jake Garcia. We had Derek Griffith. We had Chris Davidson. I mean, we had, a, we had the who's who's. Um, there in, in Florida for, for a great event, coming off of an even better all-star showdown, close to 100 cars between the three divisions. Um, and, you know, obviously Derek, you know, came home once again as, as the winner of that race as well. So so what was the driving force, you know, and, and you know, in, 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 uh, in making the uh, transition, you know, to have races, you know, you know, on the East Coast, you know, it's, you know instead of just, you know, you know, trying to find three other spots over here on the West Coast. So for 2022, we'll, we'll have six total events. Um, we have three already on the schedule. We have the first one, obviously, Citrus County Speedway. Then we have two um, on the books uh, at Berlin Raceway, which we're ex- very excited about. Uh, the other three will be announced probably within the next couple of weeks. So we'll have six six races in 2022 and then looking to do t- ten, 10 full races uh, in 2023. So that, that's the plan. And, you know, it's an opportunity that um, you know, we're fortunate out on the West Coast. We've got a lot of teams and car builders and manufacturers and uh, crew chiefs that come out to all of our races. And, you know, for the last couple of years, they've just been kind of nudging us, nudging us, mostly Ricky, nudging Ricky, hey, you guys need to do what you guys do out West and bring that out here to the East and, and just something different. And um, it was just an opportunity that presented itself. You know, Ricky wanted to do it. And uh, we said, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it with you to just kind of help on the business side of things since he's, you know, the best of the best when it comes on the technical side of things. Uh, I don't think anybody puts much time and effort and love in the sport as Ricky Brooks. And because of that, we're, we're all fortunate to have a, a pretty successful uh, start to the 2022 SRL national season. You know what? And, and like you said, you know, it was, a, it was, I'll tell you, it was one heck of a start, you know, especially, you know, you know the way it kicked off with Erndale you know, with the, you know, with the hundred cards that we had. And I know that there's been talk, you know, about, about possibly make, you know, a, a, you know, they want to do a national tour, which I think would be great. And, you know, and, and there's been some tracks that have been kicked around. Is there any chance, you know, that the SRL is going to be, if they do make that, 
if it does come to you know to light, or is there a chance that the SRO is going to have their hands in that too? You know, I never say never. Um, we're just trying to walk before we can run at this point in time. You know, try, trying to take on just six races in 2022 based on you know you know we have Larry Collins' schedule. You know, he runs Kern County Raceway with both the, the, the pavement and the dirt track. Plus, they have over 40 regular events there. We have Ricky who oversees the TAT series. Plus, he does all of our Spears South Tour series, Spears Modified series, Spears Prolet Model series. Plus, he does, you know, he does the, he's going to be doing the Rattler in a couple of weeks. He does the Snowball Derby. He put all those, all those dates on the calendar, and we only have a handful of weeks that we can even do. So, it's, it's been a logistical, you know, that's the biggest part of this is making it all fit. Um, so, it's a great challenge. Um, I, I would love to see us to do more. I think there's a lot of opportunities um, uh, out in, you know, the whole the whole East Coast. There's all kinds of racetracks, and there's so many so much inventory of race cars and race teams. There's plenty of racing to go around uh, at any weekend and in, 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 at any given state. Um, you want to see your local short track. So going back to the to the start of the season, the All Star Showdown. What do you, what in, what was it that you think, Brian, in your own words, that brought so many cars this year as compared to the years past? And, you know, it was kind of neat, you know, to see, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, some of the, you know, some of the drivers that don't participate regularly, you know, but, but you know, also to see Jake Finch, you know, make the trip, you know, all the way from Florida out here, you know, to race in the series and, you know, to see, you know, a lot of the drivers come back for it, you know, Logan Bearden, Tyler Tanner, you know, drivers like that, you know, that Owen Riddle, you know, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, Sal, you, I mean, Irwindale is your home track. You know that that place better than anybody. I mean, for the guys that come out east or for the Midwest to, to show up there um, and see that facility and you know, what Tim Huddleston has done with it, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal racetrack. I mean, we're fortunate we have Kern, Kern County Raceway, and, and we've got other tracks out here on the West Coast. But being so early in the year, you know, it was important uh, for us to, to move the race up a week to kind of give a break between um, speed weeks and the showdown, which I think helped some of those teams get there. Uh, I mean, you have Chris Davidson, who was at Irwindale Speedway one weekend and traveled across the country and was at our Citrus County Speedway race the next the next weekend. So it's cool to see that kind of support. Um, there's a lot of people that are behind what we do. There's a lot of people that believe in what we do. Um, and that kind of just makes this whole, this whole you know, journey that we're on even more exciting because um, there's a lot of people that want it to be successful. Um, and, we've you know, we've worked hard at it. I know you've been around the, us for a long time. It's, it's a full-time job. I mean, there was a point in time where – I told my wife that I was probably two months straight where I didn't have a day off. I mean, we took the weekends just trying to get this thing going. We, we take it very serious, and uh, we, we, only, we only want successful events. We're, we're not here to show up and, and have a mediocre event. We want it successful for the race team, successful for the racetrack, our sponsors, and everybody that's associated with, associated with our organization. You know what, and, and 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 that's one thing that the fans, a lot of fans, don't see. You know, and, he, and even some of the drivers, you know, you know, they come out, you know, they understand, you know, hey, you know, you know, the SRL's putting on a race, you know, we're going to go out there, but they don't, they don't understand, uh, you know, all the planning that goes on, you know, behind the scenes, you know, all the nights that you guys are up, all the days, weekends, you know, that you guys are together, you know, trying to get, you know, the events, you know, you know, on the right race date, you know, to make sure, you know, that, you know to hope, you know, that the drivers are open for that weekend, you know, but more than that, you know, you know, that they would come out and participate, you know, adding the, adding the modified them with big, you know, then, you know, Joe Fari stepping up, you know, with the, you know, the sponsor, you know, the, the prolates, 
you know, that made it big. You know, now, now you know, now you have the, you know, you have the three, the three divisions plus, you know, plus the extra races you guys added on. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of work behind closed doors. We know our, our we, we know that no one has to come to the racetrack and race. So we want to make sure that that experience from the time they show up at the track on Friday to practice till the time they leave, is, is, it's an enjoyable experience. I mean, just from the parking alone, you know, the amount of hours that Ricky puts into the parking at the All-Star Showdown so guys can unhook their cars or they're next to a teammate or, you know, if they're going to have hospitality, make sure there's a spot for, for table. I mean, there's a lot of things that people just take that for granted. And, we you know, we carried that over when we were at Sisters County Speedway um, earlier this month. And, you know, we had a, you know, we had a, we had the touring guys, you know, like the Bubba, the Pollards, and the Ties, which we already mentioned. Then we also had a lot of the local drivers, and I think there was a, there was some apprehension on, you know, what is this all going to be out? You know, is it going to be this, you know, this iron iron fist, and is it going to be an enjoyable experience? And I will tell you, without a doubt, we did not have one complaint um, the entire weekend, and they were every, even the local drivers were like, this is the most organized, the most peaceful, the most enjoyable weekend I've ever had at the racetrack in a long time. From the time they got the tire picks, I mean, all the way from the parking. I mean, from the parking to the tire picks to the scheduling, um, you know, how we have, we, you know, we do our qualified tech on based on appointments. Um, we do our, our pre-qualified tech on appointments so guys aren't waiting in lines for a long time. They can sit and enjoy. We do impound so race teams can take a break from the day and have get something to eat before we go racing. And those are all the things that a lot of people are not used to what we do. And uh, it was it was really cool to hear a lot of a lot of positive feedback from those new teams that have never been associated with what we do out here on the West. Wow, that's that's pretty you know to hear you know especially over there you know because of the you know the caliber of drivers you know we have the you know even though we have the same you know but just the way the teams are over there. And with that, Brad, I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon. I know she has some questions for you. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sharon. It's been, it's been a while since we talked. Nice to hear your voice. It it has been. Listen, I want to put this in a little bit of perspective. It wasn't that long ago that you were on this show starting the Winter Showdown, the inaugural Winter Showdown. And uh, there's so much that has happened since that inaugural Winter Showdown that you guys were doing. And you were reorganizing the SRL and you guys have just done an amazing, amazing job uh, bringing Ricky Brooks in and now coming out to the East and doing all of that wonderful organization that you do uh, from the West out here to the East. I, I just think it's fantastic. Your hard work is well, definitely appreciated. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's funny, you know, when I remember having that conversation with the Winter Showdown and you know, just how that all came together. We had some people who came to us and said, hey, we need, we need a big event on the West Coast like they have on the East Coast. And that's kind of how it all started. And, and we're fortunate enough that, you know, Tim Huddleston has stepped over, over the last couple of years at Irwindale and kind of resurrected the All-Star Showdown. He's kind of kind of filled that void um, and having that big kickoff early in the year, Southern California. I mean, Sal, Sal was there with 75 degrees and sunny people in shorts and flip-flops at the racetrack in February, which doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, we, 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 str- we struggled a few years with the winter showdown and weather, and, and we just never could just never could get lucky, you know, and, and have that perfect weekend. So we've just kind of taken those resources, and, and now we've taken it, and it's now it's towards the end of the season. We, we're kind of resurrecting the, the whole uh, October Classic that we had uh, for 27 years out at Mason Marin Raceway. Um, you know, east of Bakersfield and kind of putting those resources that we had for the winter showdown and making kind of more of a big year in the event. And I think team, I think, I think fans and race teams are kind of embracing that, 
you know, it's a nostalgic event that was, you know, for so long, such an important part of West Coast racing. So we're, 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 we're pretty grateful to have a big all-star showdown in the beginning and then the October Classic there in October. Are you there, Sharon? <laughs> Did we lose her? I, you know what? I, I don't know what's wrong. She has issues like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, I'll, 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 I'll tell you, you know, I have, I have to piggyback on what Sharon said, you know, about, you know, about how far the SRLs come. I mean, even, even you know, even since before that from the, you know, from the very beginning. But, I mean, I mean, to see where you guys are at today, you know, and like you said, you know, the help with Tim. I mean, Tim's done an amazing job with Thurndale, you know, since he's taken it over, you know, and he's really pushing, you know, for you know, to bring, you know, not only to bring, but to keep short track racing alive, which is the same thing that you guys are doing with the SRL. Yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, we, we, we treat it as a business, but we're all pretty passionate about the sport. And like I said, you know, we, we're very fortunate to have, you know, the best guy in the, in the business, Ricky Brooks, kind of, you know, being at the helm of what we do. You know, Larry and I are very fortunate that we yeah. can lean on him on a lot of the, a lot of those decisions. Um, you know, we, we can focus on what we, what we're what we're our strong points. We always say that the three of us have a lot of strong points. You know, I I, I don't bring a lot of technical to the to the equation, but Ricky, you know, excels there, and I understand the business and the sponsorship side. And you know, Larry understands from running Masonman Raceway to running a race series to running Kirk County Raceway. He's very, you know, very well versed across the board. So, but um, I think I think that that team that, that team work dynamic has really kind of made it successful and. We're hoping to expand upon that and, you know, and, and continue that success with the SRL National, both 2022 and beyond. One other thing I wanted to oh, – yeah, okay. I'm back. One other thing I wanted to make sure we talked about here tonight, and I apologize uh, for my phone cutting me out. Um, you announced a big bonus uh, today uh, that's going to be happening out at All-American Speedway for Steel Spears uh, Pro Late Model Series. And that's your next race coming up March 5th, I believe. Yeah. Yep, March 5th. So, yeah, we have a couple of weeks before. And that'd be, it's basically round number two for our pro-lit models in our Spear Southwest Tour Series, and it's actually the third race for our modified. So, we, uh, you know, we're just fortunate. You know, Joe Farre uh, is a love of, of short track racing at, at Sigma Performance Services. You know, when we, when we decided to start this pro Lake model series last year, you know, I went to Joe and said, hey, this, this is what our vision is. Do you want to, do you want to be a part of it? And, Without hesitation, he said, "Yeah, what, what can I do to make it better?" And you know, we're, we're pretty—it's pretty cool this year. We've—we've—we've we've, we've taken some of his sponsorship money and created a, a, a frequent flyer program to give teams incentive, incentives to continue to race, increase the start money to four hundred dollars to start, which is a pretty big deal for pro late models. And then, uh, yeah, we did a twenty-five hundred dollar bonus. We had thirty-seven teams compete at the, the All-Star Showdown, the pro late models on, on uh, at Irwindale Speedway. So, any of those drivers that competed, all thirty-seven are eligible if they win. Uh, on March 5th, it's a $5,000 payday, which is a pretty big, pretty big payday for in, in, in prolate models in this day and age. It certainly is uh, a big pile of money, uh, which is what the visual you have with that. Uh, and yeah. I think it is going to be a great incentive there uh, for all of your drivers. Uh, that race is coming up on uh, Saturday, March the 5th the, at All-American Speedway, the Wild West Shootout. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. John Moore, uh, you know, he's, he's a big supporter of, of what we do. Uh, we started it two years ago. We have three uh, JM Environmental Wild West Shootout races. Um, you know, the, the one at All American Speedway on March fifth is ten thousand to win. 
and you know, and Sal's been around John, great character, great for the sport, um, just a big, larger than life kind of diet kind of guy. And you know, we do big uh, cowboy hat trophies, and but John purchases cowboy hats for the starting field. We do big group photo, and it's it's a cool. Those three races are really cool. We have. Uh, this year's at All America Speedway March 5th, and then our our June race at Kern County Raceway, and then our August race uh, at our, our July race at Stockton Speedway, our, our three Wild West Shootout races in, in 2022. So it's just you know it, we're very fortunate. Not only do we have a good team, we got a lot of people that are behind us, a lot of supporters that financially step up and and, and sponsor our our events and to make them what they are. They they become big events each and every weekend that we show up at the racetrack, and that's what, that's what ultimately what our goal is. Well, it certainly is a team effort that uh, contributes to the success that you guys are having. Uh, we're excited to have the SRL coming out here to the east. And, uh, Brian, we always look forward to chatting with you. And uh, we hope to have you back again somewhere down the road here. That sounds great. We'd love to have let, let, love to be back on. And um, thank you for what you guys do for, for all of racing, not just short track race, but thank you for, for keeping it keeping it alive and well. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing it, and uh, we we enjoy talking with people like yourself. Well, th- so thank you, guys. Thank you, Scott, for, for the invite. Uh, you know, we can go to srlsouthwesttour.com. Uh, We're on Facebook under uh, Spears SRL Southwest Tour. Um, just uh, go to our website, most importantly, and that's uh, all of our social media is right there to, to follow along, including the SRL National and as well as the uh, – uh, Spears Prolate Model Series as well as the Spears Modified Series. Perfect. Perfect. So thanks a lot, uh, Brian, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, look forward to the next time. Sounds great. Thank you guys for having me on. All right. Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right. Brian Olson with the SRL uh, Southwest Touring Series and now the SRL National Series. I apologize, Sal. My, I had some. Most people know not to call me on Monday night, uh, but this person was trying to call me, and in the process of trying to drop that call, I ended up dropping myself. So I apologize for that. Okay, so you dropped yourself. Yeah, I dropped myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good, is it? Okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> We're going to go ahead and move on here to the uh, Cup Series race, the Daytona 500. Uh, I was so impressed, Sal, with how many people were in the stands uh, for that Daytona 500 on Sunday. Uh, God, I felt like I was in the mid, you know, I felt like it was 2002 or 2005 or something. It was just packed in there. You know what? They didn't have a seat left in the house. I I. I had a I had a plane. I was going to fly out there, and you would just mm-hmm. go in the infield. They said it was sold out, so I thought, you know what? I guess I'll save my money. <laughs> <laughs> There's but, always next year, so. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, no, it, it was it was it was it was a sellout crowd. Uh, it was neat to see all all the all the seats full. I am hoping that we can see that this weekend at Autoco Speedway yes. too. That'll that'll carry yes, over. I'm, I'm hoping it will carry over. Well, Austin Sendrick uh, brought home a thrilling victory in his very first uh, race with Roger Penske, um, you know, in the number two car. And on his 85th birthday of his team owner, Roger Penske, 
was uh, given a birthday gift by 23-year-old rookie Austin Sindrick, uh, who beat Bubba Wallace to the finish line by .036 seconds in an overtime win on Sunday. It doesn't get any more exciting than that. It was the 64th running of the Daytona 500, and in a thrilling run to the finish in NASCAR's new next-gen race car at Daytona International Speedway, Cindric held off Wallace and Chase Briscoe, uh, who was .09 seconds behind, to notch his very first Cup Series victory in his eighth start in the series. Um, so uh, that was pretty cool. It was his first career win in just his eighth start, as we just said. Wallace, who finished second, followed by Chase Briscoe, Brian Blaney, Eric Almarola, Kyle Busch, Michael McDowell, last year's winner, David Reagan, Brad Keselowski, and Chase Elliott round out the top ten. The pole sitter Kyle Larson finished 32nd uh, and was out of the race following a late race accident. Uh, again, there it is, a late race accident at Daytona. Who knew? Uh, the race ended after the first overtime session, forced by a caution with just six laps remaining. The race was red flagged with nine left laps left after an accident that involved the number four of Harvick, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Todd Gilliland, um, the number 43 of Eric Jones, Eric um, Nord Gregson, and uh, what happened is Larson got into the rear of Harvick, and there was no place for all the other drivers to go. It was like a, a domino accordion effect. Uh, stage one ended under caution. Stage two after Keselowski pushed uh, the 21 of Burton and turned him upside down. Uh, Burton then hit the 24 car of William Byron and the 18 of Kyle Busch. Burton's car got upside down but rolled back over. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman were all involved in that accident. Uh, It was Martin Truex Jr. who won both stages. There were 35 lead changes among 13 drivers, seven cautions for 37 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of this race was 142.295 miles per hour. Your thoughts about what happened at Daytona in that top ten? Yeah, you know what? It was uh, – it was a it was a it was a really good race. You know what? I had to I had to, I was a took my wife out to Disneyland for the day, but I came home and watched it afterwards. And I'll tell you, it was a it was exciting. I mean, the fans got the fans got their money's worth out of it. You know, um, you know the the you know, and and I know there was a lot of there's still a lot of skepticism about the new gen car. You know, I think the new gen car. I think it looks really nice out on the track. That car is sweet looking. You know, I'm not too mm-hmm. big on the single, on the single um, lug nut thing. You know, I wish they would have kept the five lug nuts on the car. You know, but that's just you know my own opinion. But I, I think the car looks, yeah, looks really nice. Yeah, we're going to talk I about think, that in hot topics. You know, I I think it raced good. I mean, you know what? The, the way that the way that everybody said, oh, there they go, they're get up in the air again. Well, you know what? When you get a car that turns backwards you know what, the air is going to lift it automatically. It don't matter. I don't care what you do to that car. You you could put a 1,000 pounds of weight. The speed they're traveling, and when the air gets underneath, it's going to lift it, and, and it's going to it's going to turn it. So, I mean, you know what, let's get off the, you know, there's nothing 
Yeah. Nothing NASCAR can do to keep those cars from, from flipping when they when they when they get in that position, or another car hits them from underneath and tosses them up in the air. That's just um, I was that's surprised just a law to see how closed off it was on the bottom. It looked like a it looked like a matchbox car. Yeah, yeah. The way they <laughs> the way they they the way the it was all flat in the bottom. But I'll I'll tell you, yeah. it, was, it was a good race. You know, a lot of. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of good, uh, you know, see yeah, Austin Cedric, you know, rookie. Yep. Yeah, Austin Cedric, you know, Ricky win it. Um, he paid good money for him or bet on him. Yeah. yeah. He paid um, uh, a $20 bet, paid $580 <laughs> it for his win. a good bet. <laughs> a yeah. buddy of mine, that's one of the only reasons I know a buddy of mine did it. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was crying Bubba and complaining. Wallace. He thought he won. Bubba Wallace, two years in a row now, he's finished uh, runner-up in the Daytona 500, so I know that was a disappointment for him. But still an accomplishment all in the same uh, breath there. Nine drivers have posted their first career Cup Series victory with a win in the Daytona 500 going back to 1963 when Tiny Lund did it. In 67, it was Mario Andretti. Pete Hamilton did it in 1970, Derek Cope in 1990, Sterling Marlin four years later in 94, Michael Waltrip in 2001, Trevor Bain in 2011, Michael McDowell did it just last year, and now Austin Sendrick in 2022, driving the number. Uh, it's Team Penske's third Daytona 500 victory. Uh, they did it uh, in 2008 with Ryan Newman, in 2015 with Joey Logano, and now this year with Austin Sendrick. It's Ford Motor Company's 17th victory in the Daytona 500, Sal. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, and actually when you think about it, um, maybe maybe Brad Keselowski jumped ship one year too soon. <laughs> maybe maybe he should have held on wonder. one year. You know, because that, that was his car that uh, Austin Sendrick won it. It is. It is. Uh, they did you know, so maybe maybe should have waited. Kind of asked him about that. He was pretty. He was very direct with his answers, but you could tell he was ready to kind of move on. Uh, yeah. He he had a rough day. But you know what? All 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 throughout the whole weekend, you know, all the interviews that Brad did. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a Brad fan, anyways, to begin with. So I mean, there ain't nothing that guy could do wrong. But uh, but even even not being biased. He was really professional with the way he handled all situations. Yes, you was. know when it came, you know, to the Fords. You know, he was he was um, he was really was, really professional and to the point. Yes, and I've you know. been impressed with how well those uh, cars from Rush Fenway were running. It's been a while since we've seen those cars running up uh, at the top like they were. Yes, especially after qualifying when Hendrick went out there and just smoked everybody. You know then. You know, then for the, uh, you know, for the, um, for the duels, you know, you know, Brad got his and um, uh, Brad got his win and um, gosh, Busher got Busher. his win. You know, it's yeah, it was good to see you know the Fords you know get up there you know and you know and and, and flex some muscle, but um, you know it, it, now now it's on to like you say now it's on to real racing. You know, now now we get to Auto Club, you know, where it's we're gonna separate, you know, all the you know, all the um you know, 
the guys, you know, that could have, should have won, now it's going to get to, you know, the guys that, that should be winning technically, you know, when we get to Auto Club and the rest of the season until we get back to Talladega again, you know, where it's a toss-up. But, um, you know, it's all in all, it's a good race. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of action. It was it was good racing, you know what, and, and it was it was just great to see the stamps full, to see it sold out, you know, um, you know that's that's the main. I think that's one of the biggest things that their NASCAR didn't take anything away from from this past weekend, and it was all the fans that showed up for this race. It was, and it was really good to see. It felt like a breath of fresh air. So really. <laughs> It was it was really so, neat. That's why I said I'm hoping that we can get the carryover into uh, into this weekend's race at um, at Auto Club Speedway because we're gonna have nice. It's gonna be nice weather for the race on Sunday. It's gonna be 77 to 80 degrees, so um, it's gonna be really good. Uh, it's gonna be really good um, uh, uh, weather for racing this weekend. It is. It is. I'm looking forward to Auto Club Speedway. Are you going to be out there? Yes, I will. I'll be out there um, Saturday, Sunday. I doubt Friday. I don't. Know, I don't know if they're going to do anything on Friday if they're going to practice or not. If we haven't gotten the schedule, I have the we have the Zoom meeting in the morning for the for for all of us that got you know our photo credentials. So yeah. Um, so I have a Zoom meeting tomorrow morning, and then we'll we'll go from there. Okay. So uh, I hope you have a good time out there at Auto Club Speedway, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the photographs and if you get a chance to talk to any of the drivers and encourage them to be on the show. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna talk to Riley again. I talked to him at, at when he was out here for the All Star Showdown. But it's kind of hard because everything goes through Stuart Haas. Yeah, I know. You know, you have to go through, their, to through their PR reps. The PR people, yeah. Next week, and you know, I even Joe, I'm sorry, what? Joe Graff. Yeah, you know, Joe I, I would try talking, you know, you know, to Cindy about getting Cole on. But like she said, mm-hmm. Cole has to go through the, you know, he just can't. He just can't bypass the PR them. people. Yep. Yeah, and, yep. and um. The only one that the only one we might be able to that might I doubt it would be would be Riley, but he's Stuart Haas racing too. Mhm. So well, we'll see what we can we'll do. See. Okay. Well, have fun out yeah. there at Auto Club Speedway, Sal, and we'll see you next week uh, right here on Banfa Racing Radio at eight thirty p.m. Eastern Time. All right, everybody, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night. Good night. All right, it is time for a Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and boy, are they all lined up here. i got to bring them all into the queue. Uh, everybody's biting at the bit, I think, for a Hot Topic tonight. Uh, let's start with Andy Lasky. How you doing, Andy? Good, Sharon. How are you tonight? I'm doing all right. We've got a very full show here tonight. <laughs> Uh, and uh, if you haven't heard the interviews earlier, we had Christian Rose on uh, earlier, as well as Brian Olson with the SRL Southwest Tour. They're now doing a national SRL tour, and they raced out at uh, Citrus County 
Speedway in Florida or Raceway in Florida, Time Majeski won the, their inaugural national event. So pretty exciting to talk to Brian Olson about all that. All right. Also up on our queue here is uh, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Andy, what's up? Uh, you're right. I mean, we got the excitement going into the Daytona 500, and we always got stories and things to talk about coming out of it. So, yeah, we're all here ready to go. <laughs> ready, lined up and ready to go. I know Mike Warzel's here as well. Hi, Mike. I'm glad I could finally make it. He hasn't been feeling well. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I've been a little bit under the weather, but there's nothing like a great uh, weekend of racing to make you feel better. That's right. That's right. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off. And Andy, I always let you go first when you're on. So you get to go first tonight. What's our first hot topic? Well, I want to talk about um, the, the popularity of NASCAR. You know, we've all we've heard about in, in the recent times is, you know, the death of NASCAR and nobody cares anymore and this <laughs> and that. But I think when you compare the clash in the Daytona 500, um, I think the trend is certainly in a very, very positive direction. And it, it seems to me that uh, – you know, the sport's in a, a pretty good place, and so I just wanted to see what everyone thought about that because from what I've been able to see, I mean, we're off to a really good start here for 2022. Okay, we'll have to see how it continues. But, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Well, obviously, being a fan myself, it, it, it's tough to say from the outside perspective. Uh, there's so many things when you talk about TV numbers, I know, uh, Sharon, I think you're the one that put up uh, merchandise sales right now. Obviously, the Clash being a new thing in a new market uh, provides that. It's a matter of the sustainability long-term down the road. Uh, you know, we talk about that as a race, the, the excitement to it, and everything that goes with it, which NASCAR has been around for a long time, and we see the ebbs and flows. I think right now, especially the new car, some new team owners coming in, we're getting some high numbers attention just to see how it's going. We'll have to wait and see throughout the year into next year of does that sustain or stay or grow or does it drop back down? Yes, right now, like I said, I mentioned we got the teams. Michael Jordan teams came in last year. The money team, Pitbull, the Coliseum, and the new car right now are going to spike that interest. NASCAR needs to find a way, and we as uh, reporters and representatives of the sport, as well as the fans, are the ones that are responsible, I mean, truly, for keeping it at that level. So, like I said, I'm with Andy. You know, there's definitely a a high mark right now. Looking forward, though, don't get get ahead of yourself. It's it's keeping it there uh, throughout the season and throughout long-term of multiple seasons. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to talk already, but Mike, I'm going to let you talk first. <laughs> sure. Uh, thanks. Um, 
Yeah, if, if you want to quantify it a little bit, Adam Stern and Jay Ski tend to post the TV ratings numbers, and they'll usually compare it year over year over year, uh, going back the previous couple years. And the general trend over the past three or so years is that these races tend to be up over their previous version um, and somewhere around the 1% to 5% range. So it's not a massive jump in ratings, but – it's definitely a trend in the right direction. Um, so, yes, there are some quantifiable numbers of TV ratings. Now, TV ratings right now are not what they used to be in terms of being an accurate measurement for the number of eyes who are on the screen just due to the so many different ways that fans are able to consume the product. So it really depends on whether it's counting streaming services or not, or DVR Somebody DVRs the race and watches it later. Some, some of the metrics, the ratings metrics, will capture that. Some of them won't. So it may be that if the, the, the ratings themselves that are being published reflect a 1% to 5% increase, maybe we're seeing a little bit better. It's going to be really important to watch this coming weekend at California. And the reason for that is we just had the clash in downtown Los Angeles. Um, Auto Club Speedway Yes, it's in Fontana, but Fontana is still in the Los Angeles market. So did NASCAR generate hype and buzz and excitement with that race at the Clash that fans are going to go buy a ticket and drive to the other side of town? Fontana's probably about an hour or so, or maybe about eight hours given Los Angeles traffic, but not that far away. Uh, up until having the Clash in downtown, Fontana was the lo- local Los Angeles market race. So will fans get hyped up about the Clash and they want to go see, quote-unquote, a regular race? Um, I'm really interested to see if they're able to sell out Fontana. I haven't heard them announce that it's sold out yet or not, um, but we'll see where they're at. That is a big track. They can see a whole lot more than they could see in the Coliseum. So, did the clash – we talked about return on investment. That clash was not cheap for NASCAR to put on. So part of that return on investment is going to be, did they get new fans in the Los Angeles market who will buy tickets and go out to Fontana to watch races at Auto Club Speedway? That's something to keep an eye on this weekend. Absolutely. I, I really am encouraged by what I saw this week. Uh, it, it kind of felt uh, like the days of yore, if you will, uh, when those seat stands were uh, filled in, I did miss the back stretch because I used to sit on that back stretch out there in Daytona, and now it's all parking area. But um, uh, I do think that NASCAR is doing a lot of things right, uh, and it felt it, it felt like a, a, a sense of being back to a normalcy again after this two years of COVID that we've been through. Uh, it felt like we were back to the way things used to be. Uh, and, and that, I think, was a breath of fresh air for a lot of people. Uh, and I think people generally were energized by what they saw out at Daytona this weekend. Uh, and I, I, I hear you guys. I, I tend to be Pollyanna, but I know that uh, the sustainability is what we're looking at. And that's why I think NASCAR uh, bringing in – Ben Kennedy, I think, has been a huge, huge plus for NASCAR overall. I think he's doing a lot of really great things uh, that are helping to boost what's happening at the tracks. The tracks have been struggling uh, for several years now, and it seems to me like um, 
they've got a new, renewed sense of, uh, you know, promoting these events that are happening. And maybe it's because we are coming off of the pandemic pandemic that everybody's ready to get back out and, and get out to these activities and events. But I do think that, that NASCAR's had a big part in that, too. Uh, Jay mentioned having... Uh, all these new teams in that are bringing in all these celebrities that are now part of the racing teams uh, that are racing on the weekend. Uh, I'm sure that's a big part of it. Look at who they had um, uh, for the entertainment. They had Luke Combs uh, entertaining fans, and there was somebody else that that I can't think of right now, but the Thunderbirds are always uh, a big deal out at uh, Daytona International Speedway as well. Um, I, I... I just think that there are, it's kind of like the stars just seem to be lining up for NASCAR. And I know it's not a perfect world. Uh, it's an evolving world. There's going to be ups and downs. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but what I see from NASCAR is that when things go down, they react to it, and they're doing things to make it better. And I, to me, it's a win win type of a situation, and I know I'm the Pollyanna of the group, uh, but I'm very enthused uh, by what I saw happening at Daytona, what I saw happen at the Clash, and what I hope we see happen at uh, most of the races this year uh, throughout the season. Andy, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, you know, some great points obviously already been brought up, but um, the L.A. Coliseum being a new event, um, no surprise that there was a, a lot of buzz and excitement around that race. Um, and then, you know, I think what really stood out to me was the Daytona 500. We all know that's the biggest race of the year. It always will be. Um, but the, the crowd there was incredible. and It was a sellout crowd for one thing, but just, just observing the grandstands, even, you know, an hour or two hours before the race, observing the, mm-hmm. the crowd in the infield, like it was, it was it was pretty incredible to see that. I haven't seen a crowd like that at a 500 in years. It's been a long time, and maybe that's because, you know, we've gone through COVID, and now everyone's excited to get back out there. Bear in mind, last year's race was restricted because of it, so, you know, maybe everyone just being cooped up as long as they have said, it. okay, it's time to get back out there and get to the racetrack. I don't know. But, you know, these first two race weekends of the year, I've seen more excitement involved and more interest involved than we've seen in quite some time. I won't necessarily compare it to the mid two thousands because we're quite a ways away from that. Um, that was at the height of the popularity of the sport, but I, I do want to compare it to when Fox came into the sport in 2001. That was right when things were really starting to kick into to high gear popularity wise. And it was also the start of a really strong era in a new era for the sport, much like now where with this new cup series car, it's the start of a new era for the sport. And I think that much like, you know, when Fox came in, uh, Fox and NBC back in 2001, that was kind of a new era for the sport. I think that we're kind of going through something similar to that right now. And I think with a new era comes new interest. And that's why, you know, maybe there's been an interesting start to the season now. Now that we've gotten through the Bush Clash, which, again, was a new race, and the Daytona 500, the biggest race, it it remains to be seen whether that sustains very long into the season. Of course, diehards like us will continue to watch and pay attention week in and week out like we always do. 
But will the casual fans stay hooked? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Um, but certainly it has been exciting to see as much interest as there has been to start the season. And, and I hope that that does continue because certainly the more people involved and interested in the sport, the better. Okay, Jay, you're up again. Yeah, a couple of key points, uh, and it all refers back to this sustainability. Um, with the coming off the COVID, and I know this could, could hit another hot topic uh, for for next show or next week, <laughs> but the less is more. You know, okay, the fans weren't able to attend. Okay, they get to come back. I know the schedule, how many races and how long the schedule is, has always been a, a discussion as far as that, both from the drivers and the fans. So that is something, and Sharon hit on it. I think you're right. I think Ben Kennedy being in there, some of the things he's looking at, the new markets, and, man, I don't know how many times already this year I've had to agree with Mike and uh, point something out that, I, that, that he brought up that was good. Uh, kind of scary, but we'll go with it. The <laughs> Auto Club, you know, if we got new fans from L.A., do, are they hooked onto it and going to go over to, uh, to Auto Club? You know, that's another thing of – as they branch out and try and find new markets rather than keeping it all in one generalized Southeast as it started out. So there's a lot of different things in play, you know, and NASCAR and the team's going to look at that and, and figure out what did bring it, what they can capitalize on it. The biggest thing that I guess with, with what I would say is the concern is to not go overboard with it, which is what I feel kind of happened in the, in the late nineties and early two thousand where they blow up too big too fast. And although the, they didn't go down completely, even just showing the, the numbers as they were um, from what they expanded to weren't filling them anymore. They still weren't the, that growing max. So it looked kind of bad. I, I don't think we were in ever as dire a situation as what some people made it to be. Um, mm-hmm. But that again, it's based on numbers and manipulation, if you will. So, uh, I just I hope that NASCAR's uh, watching that and, and learns from that, and like I said, doesn't go overboard with it. But as as you all put it, it's a trending in the right direction again right now for whatever reason. Uh, I think it just you mentioned some celebrities. I think Fox has done a great job with cross promotion. Uh, again, I'm a wrestling fan. We saw Sheamus down there. We saw Big E, and when I watch the wrestling programs on Fox, they promote the the, the racing. Uh, Larry McReynolds and Regan Smith, when there's racing on, they're promoting the uh, the wrestling. So that, that cross-branding, which I think we've seen, mm-hmm. and I know we'll get to that hot topic later tonight too with Jeff Gordon, I think there's a key factor to that as well. Good point. Uh, Mike, your follow-up. Like we said before, the real season starts this coming weekend. Yes, I understand the Daytona 500 pays points, and the Clash obviously was also a competitive race that paid a good bit of money. But they're two kind of – they always had that. Two kind of special deals that, yes, they're obviously part of NASCAR season, but they really aren't. So to really get a good idea of where the sport is and where it's heading, that clock really starts this weekend. And there's a couple big question marks. This season here is going to be the most compressed season that they've run, I think, ever in terms of every single week with only one off weekend from start to finish. Um, That might be a good thing because it gives fans like us racing to watch almost every single weekend. 
or this is something to pay attention to, do fans start getting fatigued with having racing every single weekend and not getting a break from it? And they, you, know, you start seeing a drop off in these long stretches where you've got racing every single weekend. Um, it's going to have to be something to pay attention to with making the the schedule for 2023 and beyond is does this compressed schedule work and benefit the fans or does it fatigue the fans and drive them away? And I think that's probably a big question going into this season to pay attention to. Yeah, I think a couple of things on that note. Um, uh, I think one of the things that is so good right now is there's so many different ways that we can consume NASCAR. Uh, I've been hearing for the 20 years that I've been following NASCAR, 20 plus years now that I've been following NASCAR, I've heard that the sport is dead uh, for 20 years. They've been saying that. Uh, And it's obviously not dead. Uh, But I I do think uh, that you bring up some good points, Mike, but I do think as well that uh, there are some things that are being done now uh, that are going to circumvent some of the concerns that you have there. Uh, It is a long sport. Uh, There are so, it's hard to say this. There's so many different ways that we consume this sport now. Uh, And I know that NASCAR has a media center out in Charlotte that tracks all of the media activity that happens with this sport. And I'm sure that they have ways of monitoring, uh, you know, the eyes that are watching this sport, whether it's low streaming this year, uh, there's Mav TV that are carrying some of the races for ARCA. Uh, they've gone back to their grassroots uh, by, uh, with some of the things that they're doing in the ARCA Menard series. Uh, people are excited about that. People are excited about, um, uh, you know, being able to go back to the track and to be able to watch these races. Uh, and if, if I do think that even if the, it wanes at the track, I think there are still a lot of eyes that are watching this sport. And I think this kind of proves it because over the last two years, we haven't been able to get to the track. And so many people came out uh, for that Daytona 500. I think a lot of those people became fans because of the pandemic. They started watching NASCAR because there for a while it was the only thing they could watch. And I think that probably hooked them. And now that they've been to the track, uh, whether it's Daytona, Fontana, or any of the other tracks uh, that are on the schedule, I think that's what's going to hook them. That's what hooked all of us is once we got out to the track and saw these races. So, uh, plus I think the tracks are doing some things that are really giving the fans a big bang for their buck. So, I think all of those things are going to work together to kind of keep this momentum going. Uh, We'll have to wait and see if that is the case. It is a long season. But you and I and all of us that are sitting here, we tune in every week to see those races. If we can't see it live, we're, we're checking it out on the replay. So I think that a lot of these fans are going to be doing the same. And uh, I'm encouraged by all of it. Andy, you get the final word here. Yeah, it's just, you know, kind of like I already said earlier, I, I will be just interested to see how, you know, this this um, 
attention to the sport continues early on into the season and through the rest of the year. Um, you know, I, I see Mike's point about, you know, too much of a good thing, but, um, I guess you must actually be ill because I don't see an issue with, uh, racing every week, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I do see, I do see your point though. You know, we kind of saw this with SRX last year, they ran six races and we, we were left wanting more, um, you know, I still think the NASCAR season is a pretty decent length. I don't know that it's too short or too long, but it should be noted, though, that this is um, one of the more labor-intensive seasons for the teams. I think there's only one off weekend all year, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that in quite some time. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see if, if people sustain all the way through the year or not. So to, that, to Mike's point on that, I, I do understand where he's coming from. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but I just think we're off to a, a really cool start to the year. There's certainly been a lot of attention around the sport, which is good. Um, seemingly a bunch of new people getting involved and, and new fans getting involved and interested, and, and that's always good. So let's hope it continues. And, um, you know, I think that um, as far as an excitement level surrounding the sport and, and where it is and where it's headed, I think that it's the best it's been in, in quite a few years. All right, uh, Jay, that brings us up to you for the next time. Well, we got a couple of big ones uh, yet to go. Uh, I know we've already got 20 minutes into the show, but I'll, I'll go with the one ty- <laughs> kind of tying it in um, to what we were talking about, the rotation of analysts or announcers uh, for the broadcast. We've had Tony Stewart, uh, and I know the poll is up there on Fan for Racing of um, if you thought he did a good job and want to see him all year, which might as well take that off the board because we know it's not. But they did announce <laughs> Matt Kenseth for Auto Club and then Danica Patrick, I believe, for two weeks following that, Las Vegas and Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, thoughts there and uh, what else we might see for the season. Okay, Mike, you're up next. I like the rotating uh, announcer arrangement of the 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 ability to hear different voices with different perspectives, different experiences, I think that's going to benefit the Fox broadcast a lot. Uh, I was concerned that Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer together would maybe yuck it up a bit too much in the Daytona 500, but that concern really didn't materialize. I thought they put on a really good show and never – it was still a show about um, advertising and product plugs, placement and commercials with occasional snippets of racing. I never felt like Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer really hijacked the show, which is good to see. Uh, with regard to the upcoming ones, Matt Kenseth is really interesting. You don't really think of Matt as a big uh, animated kind of guy, but I think he might be a good balance to a guy like Clint Boyer. Uh, we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago with, with a guy like Clint Boyer you really need to kind of balance his personality out because Clint is obviously the, he, he runs at 11 tenths all the time and has personality to spare. So you kind of need a guy like Matt Kenseth who's a little bit more toned down and uh, uh, it's going to offer a little bit of a counterbalance to a guy like Clint Boyer, which I think is good. Danica Patrick, um, I'm going to see if I can get the MRN broadcast to line up on top of television on that one. Um, she was insufferable during SRX. She was by far the worst part of their broadcast. So I am not looking forward to having her in the booth. I'm going to be extremely blunt about that. Um, 
her perspective and the way that she handled herself in the SRX broadcast, I thought took away from their product. So I'm hoping maybe she got some feedback and notes from CBS that she can apply to her time on Fox, but I'm not excited about seeing Danica Patrick in the booth. Okay. Andy. You know, I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about the rotating um, announcers for this year. I think it's an interesting concept, certainly. Um, It gives the fans a chance to see differing personalities in the booth each week. Um, You know, certainly from the, as a longtime fan, it's going to be fun to see Matt Kenseth next week. We haven't really seen or heard from him in a while. So that'll be, you know, nice to see him on TV and, and, uh, you know, see him, stay involved in the sport to a degree. Um, but I think NAF, I, I think Fox um, kind of already has hit on, in my mind, who would be, you know, they're a really good booth permanently. And, and certainly, you know, Tony Stewart did a fantastic job this past weekend in the 500 and, and, you know, he Boyer and, and Mike Joy, I think would be really good. And, and even more so than that, I thought the dual broadcast with Larry McReynolds, Boyer and Mike Joy was extremely good, you know, so I would like to see them maybe bring those combinations back in the next uh, few weeks or for the rest of the season, potentially, um, you know, I, and certainly I saw a lot of really good re- reviews about that as well. Um, unfortunately with them bringing in several different personalities, you know, some are going to be good. Some are not going to be good. Um, you know, and and I think some are going to be more relevant than others, you know, and without getting too deep into it, I think some of the announcers uh, that they bring in are, you know, probably don't really have the credibility to be there, whereas some do. So, um, but that's just the way it works. Certainly, it's not my decision what they can and can't do. But, um, you know, I think that I think that certainly some of the booth combinations are going to be really, really good. Some aren't. And, and hopefully they, you know, maybe can test this out a bit and, and determine what they deem to be really good moving forward. And, you know, maybe they'll make a permanent change, um, you know, that's ultimately really good in the long run. Okay. I'm going to jump in here if you don't mind. Uh, I just want to let everybody know, especially our new listeners, that we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, But we are going to continue to record the rest of that conversation, and it's part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. I'll go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is available. And at that point, if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. And we do have a player available at BamforRacing.com. So uh, with that, Andy, you can go ahead and finish your thought. I apologize for the interruption. No, I actually just wrapped it up, so you're good. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I kind of have mixed feelings about it as well. I thought Tony did a really good job uh, this weekend with Clint Boyer. He was a little more soft-spoken than I thought he would be, although – uh, you know, they, they had a good uh, uh, mix there. I agree with Andy, too, that Mike, uh, not Mike, um, Larry McReynolds uh, was a good addition to the booth with uh, Clint Boyer. I'm kind of anxious to see, uh, I, I hear Andy's point about some of them uh, may not be very relevant, uh, and and that is a good point, but 
Uh, Matt Kenseth is one of the guys that I'm kind of looking forward to. He has such a dry sense of humor. I, I'm curious to see how that's going to uh, work, what the dynamic of that is going to be with Clint Boyer, who, who is not at all dry. He's right out there. Uh, with, with Matt Kenseth, sometimes you miss the joke. Uh, he's so dry about delivery. But uh, uh, he can be extremely funny sometimes. And he does make me laugh. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that one, but we'll see how that works out. Uh, Danica Patrick, uh, again, I'm hoping uh, to Mike's point that that uh, she has a good uh, performance. Uh, a lot of these people, I feel like they're uh, kind of interviewing for their future job on that network. Uh, and we'll have, to, we'll have to see how it works out. But uh, that's why I put the poll up there at FanForRacing.com. It's called FanForRacing Ask. And we asked everybody, uh, you know, how did Tony do in the booth? Uh, should he stay for the rest of the year? Uh, was he fine but you're ready to see somebody else or don't invite him back? Uh, nobody has has uh, checked the, the box for don't invite him back. I think everybody pretty much enjoyed having Tony Stewart in the booth. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Tony Tony was a great place. Uh, they had a very good combination. They they got their little jibes in at each other and, and talked about some, uh, you know, stories of the past with Tony and his dealings with the media. I know they did a thing on that. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought that might, you know, be more prevalent throughout, but uh, it did a great job. Uh, I'm one of those of, you know, we can wish and want all, all we want. We know, we, we've talked about it. Tony is a very busy man. There's no way mm-hmm. that they're going to get him for long term uh, for even half a season that Fox covers, and I really do kind of like the the process of this of the rotating uh, every couple of weeks or whatever, um, depending on who they have, and I'll get to that in a minute. But Tony did a great job. I, I know they said he's coming back at least one more race uh, coming up here, and uh, a girlfriend Amanda as well as Chris Crichton, uh, the dirtiest voice in the South there down at Why Not Motorsports Park, looking forward to Matt Kenseth. Sharon mentioned that dry sense of humor. You have to understand that person and that personality, uh, but I think he's a great one to have. Coming up to Danica, uh, I will say this. Haters are going to hate, and Mm -hmm. I didn't think she did a terrible job in the SRX. Was she the best I've ever seen or heard? No, you know, but there again, it doesn't matter. What I take from it is we want eyes on the sport. Whether you like her or not and think she does a great job announcing, it is going to bring attention. Some of it, yes, especially on social media, going to be on the negative side, but that's going to happen no matter what. Uh, I do think she brings a valuable asset to the sport as far as attention, followers, and those that do uh, enjoy her and, and what whatnot, uh, whether or not as a broadcaster, again, I'm there for the racing. Yes, I listen to the broadcasters or whatever. I'm not one that tunes out because of the broadcasters. I'm just not. I know we've talked mm-hmm. about this before. Kind of like the numbers on the car. That's not going to stop me from watching racing on the track. You know, do I like them? Not necessarily. It doesn't matter. I'm there to watch the racing. So, uh, you know, no matter who you have in there, there's going to be some of those. That just like I go back to, I think back right right off the top of my head now, those that said Daryl Waltrip was out of touch with racing. You know, 
There's a generation that still liked him and tuned in for him. There were those that didn't like him. They brought new ones in. So, you know, you're never going to make everybody happy. I'll put it that way. I do see a benefit to it, though. And hopefully there is some improvement in growth. Uh, you know, we can all do that. So give her that opportunity. Mike, your follow-up. Yeah, I, I know I came down really hard on Danica Patrick, and I, I stand by what I said, but at the same time, she's going to be on TV for two weeks straight, so let's give her a fair shake. Uh, I'm going to watch the races either way. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic that hopefully she'll she'll produce a better product than what she, she did for SRX. Uh, but Jay's right. She has a certain following around her for whatever reason that people want to follow her. Um, and it will drive a certain amount of attention to the sport. So they're not wrong by bringing her in. Will it be the best broadcast product? Eh, my bet is probably going to be no. But it's going to be something that's different, and it might bring someone in to watch this, those two races that she's working. Uh, and if she comes back later in the season, she might bring those people back to watch those races as well, and that will benefit the sport. So that's not a bad thing to have happen there. Um, as far as the rest of the lineup goes, I think they mentioned Jeff Gordon might be coming back for one. I haven't seen a full lineup published. It sounds like they're still working on finalizing some details for a few of the races there. Fox has, I believe, 13 races to cover, and right now we know the next three. So we have 10 more coming up that we've heard some tentative details for them, but I haven't heard anything firm. So definitely something to pay attention to over the next coming weeks of who we're going to have in the booth, basically when they come back from the West Coast is uh, the next round of announcements that we're going to get. Okay, Andy, anything else, Dan? Um, Not particularly, no, I don't think so. It'll um, just kind of be interesting to see you know, the direction that Fox moves in as far as rotating these announcers in and out. Um, you know, I think they've done a great job to start the year, certainly. Um, like I said, really cool to see Larry McReynolds back in the booth for the duels. Um, I think that his perspective and his insight, um, despite having not been an active crew chief in quite some time, is still very good. I think he works really hard at um, keeping up with what's going on. And, and like I said, Tony Stewart, being a three-time champion certainly brought a lot of credibility to the booth. Um, like what's already been said, you know, bringing Danica in, um, given her her actual success in the sport, you kind of question that a little bit. But mm. I think um, I think it may bring eyes to the sport, you know, because um, she did have a bit of a following, and you know, who knows if that's what it takes to to help you know generate some interest, and so be it. I suppose we'll we'll see how it goes, you know, but. Um, I do look forward to to seeing who else they may invite on the broadcast this year. And and like I said, hopefully maybe they can kind of narrow things down to making somewhat of a permanent change down the road, you know, that benefits everybody. Okay. Yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to add either. Not knowing who the other drivers are going to, or who the other uh, guests are going to be. It's not necessarily drivers, I guess. Um, but uh, I do, you know, I'm going to listen no matter what, to Jay's point. So uh, we'll see what the announcements are. Uh, but the one I'm looking forward to is Matt Kenseth. Jay? 
Well, and, and that goes back to another one that, that we talked about, and he did decline was Mark Martin. And I know that was one of the reasons he gave. He said he didn't, you know, he wasn't at a spot in his life where he wanted to do this every week uh, anymore. Uh, I think, like so far, what we've heard, Matt Kenseth, this is a one time. Uh, we'll see if he comes back again. But that's where I think uh, a spot like that where Mark Martin could come in for one race uh, would be great. Uh, it, it kind of uh, ties into the not even a, a nostalgia, but it's still some great insight. You compare some things to back then to now. Uh, I know he's still involved with some driver coaching um, in different different series. So Matt Kenseth being another one, you know, hasn't completely gone away from racing. And same with Danica. I, I like I said, I, I feel that there is certainly some things that she can bring. Um, just thinking about it of relating to the female drivers and what they're going through as a minority, as we see more and more starting to come in at the lower series. So I think there are some great things that she can bring in perspective. Uh, we'll have to see, like Mike said, give it that chance, got her for a couple of weeks, see how it goes and, and go from there. Um, and I look forward to what they who else they might bring in. I kind of got that anticipation of, you know, who are we going to see yet? throughout the rest of the season. You mentioned, I, I forgot about that, Jeff Gordon going to be one of them. I know he was very popular in the booth. Um, and Tony Stewart doing at least one more. So we know a couple of them, but it'll be kind of that surprise, like surprise guest uh, of who we get to see, uh, you know, week in to week out. Okay. Okay, and that's the final word on that. So uh, next up is Mike for our next hot topic. I'm really surprised we've gone this deep into the show and we haven't talked about the biggest story this weekend. And, no, I'm not talking about my crow feast that I had uh, of the money team and NY Racing both making the Daytona 500. I'm talking about the wheel situation with Team Penske yeah. and RFK. Um, to, if you haven't heard about this, if you just watched the race on Sunday and didn't really follow the, the news, on Friday morning – NASCAR confiscated some or all of the wheels from Team Penske and RFK Racing. And it had something to do with a modification that was made to the pinholes on the back of the wheel. The way the wheel attaches to the hub on the car, it's got a series of holes drilled in the back of it. Those index with some pins on the back of the hub, and that's how the wheel turns with just that single one lug nut on there. Apparently... Penske and RFK had made some modifications to those pinholes, and the speculation was that it could give them an advantage in a pit stop situation. And Brad Keselowski on Saturday said that it was a safety modification. It was no big deal. He didn't expect any significant penalties, which is pretty much what anyone says when they get caught cheating. And then today, uh, Roger Penske said that they had previously gone to NASCAR with this and didn't get any feedback one way or the other on it. Now, this is a big deal. Those wheels are part of the Gen 7 car that is a spec car. It needs to be run as is, as received from the third-party manufacturers. And remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about NASCAR's new penalty schedule with an L3 penalty, and one of the things on an L3 penalty is modifying or tampering with spec gen 7 parts so if this is what it looks like it might be we could be seeing our first l3 penalty if it's a safety modification 
maybe that's a cause for debate, but you don't get caught making safety modifications. You make them and you tell everybody about them because you want your, your other competitors to be safe as well. So the fact that it looks like they got caught doing something versus bringing something to everyone else's attention makes it seem more like it was a competitive advantage that they're trying to repaint as a safety thing. But I'm interested to hear what everyone else's take on it is. Okay, Andy, you're up next. Yeah, this is really interesting because, you know, NASCAR made it very clear, you know, going into this season that uh, there was to be no manipulation of parts and pieces on this car because, uh, it's a spec car, like what's already been said, and you know teams are expected to run the parts that are given to them. Um, so it's interesting that here we are, week one, and teams have already been caught potentially um, manipulating parts and pieces, which is um, something NASCAR I don't believe intends to take lightly. So I think um, this is going to be a very interesting thing, and, and we should know more tomorrow that we can discuss later in the week you know, as far as the outcome or the verdict of, of what NASCAR will do after having taken these confiscated wheels and seeing what was actually done to them. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, how big of an advantage it is, but if, if it in fact was done specifically to try to enhance pit stop performance, then, you know, that's, that's cheating and, and certainly you would need to be punished, you know, in, in the right way. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what kind of penalty that, that they incur. And I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to this, you know, but I, I, I have to believe that, you know, they may come down on them pretty hard because, you know, if NASCAR takes a light approach to this, I think teams will slowly start to push the envelope in terms of what they can get away with, with this new car and, and its parts and pieces. And so, you know, I think NASCAR might be forced into a position of, really dropping the hammer here. And, and I don't know if that means, you know, going as, as far as, you know, precluding some of these teams from being playoff eligible or not, that would certainly be something to see the Daytona 500 winner be ejected from the playoffs. I don't think that'll happen, but you know, NASCAR probably needs to send a message here to the rest of the garage that tampering with parts and pieces is not okay as set forth in the rule book. And, and, you know, I, really am curious to see what they come out with tomorrow and you know whether or not it really truly was a safety thing that they were worried about or or if it was a performance advantage I don't know but um like what Mike said I mean no team's going to come out and say that you know it was a performance advantage they're going to push the 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 safety aspect of it you know understandably so but um I'm curious about this I mean this certainly wasn't a storyline I expected to see this early in the season but but here we are, teams already pushing the envelope, and, you know, I guess the question will be, you know, how hard does, does NASCAR come down on them? Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Wow, and we only got 15 minutes left uh, on the show here. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot wrapped up into this um, on several different aspects. First off, the question of whether or not it was a safety issue or a competitive advantage uh, I've heard some on both sides of it. Uh, Sharon, you said you listened to Moody Data. He said he wasn't buying, and I feel bad I, was, I wasn't in the vehicle and didn't get to hear it, but um, that he wasn't buying that it was a safety thing. The ones on Race Hub said they felt like it was and there was no competitive advantage. So that's question number one. Now we got it come into play of 
Roger Penske saying they brought it to NASCAR. Um, and whether they said yes or no, they could have put a stop to it right then and there by saying, no, don't do it. Or, hey, we'll look at it and see if that's something we need to implement, which I think long-term is the way it's going to play out. Now, the question becomes, the rule says don't mess with the, with these parts, the wheel being one of them. Do they follow up on their penalty of uh, preventing guys from their teams from the playoffs? That one's going to be a slippery slope, as Sharon likes to say. If it truly is, and they said, hey, we didn't authorize it, even though they didn't say they couldn't do it when it was brought to them, depending on how it was, and we don't have privy, we aren't privy to that conversation, but uh, Roger Penske put it out there and said, hey, we brought it to them. They didn't tell us no, so we went ahead with it. Um, that's a tough one, uh, you know, because I want to see them. If they put this rule out there, hey, you do this, you're out of the playoffs. If somebody's doing something there, then it needs to happen because, you know, to make a threat and not back it up does no good. So, like I said, there's a lot of different aspects to it. I don't see, and I'm not on a team or uh, know exactly what the modification was to try and say whether it was a safety uh, or not, whether there was any advantage to it. I mean, truthfully, almost everything a team, a driver, uh, you know, race team does is to some advantage, even if it is, you know, that split second then on pit road, which comes into play a competitive advantage to a degree. That's why they do it. Um, most times I, I will say that sometimes it is strictly a hundred percent safety. Um, so we'll have to see. And I thought I saw where pa- Bob Pockris said that it may be not even this week that we hear any results on it, that it may be another week before we do. Uh, I'm not sure why that would be, but no, cause normally we do by Tuesday or Wednesday um, immediately following. So I think this one, we might see a delay, and I just don't want, again, that box of if NASCAR says, yeah, okay, we were aware of it, didn't tell them no, we're going to let it slide, especially if they say, okay, you can't do it anymore, then they shouldn't have done it to begin with, and the penalty should come into play, but they don't want to do it because you're talking the RFK teams uh, of two teams and Penske's three if they take all three of them, uh, five teams out of the playoffs. You know, obviously you don't want to see that, but – I, I think if if its rule is broken, then they need to back up what they said and follow up on it. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking this will be a hot topic I'm sure we'll be talking about again on Thursday night because we'll know the results of the penalty. But now that you say it's going to be delayed, we might not be able to have that conversation. Uh, but here's the thing that is missing from what Roger Pinsky said. He said that they brought it to NASCAR, but he didn't say what NASCAR said. (laughs) So that tells me you knew that NASCAR had not gotten back to you. Uh, So why did you bring those to the track? Um, I I, I think that it's going to be interesting for a couple of reasons. NASCAR, it's it's a slippery slope for NASCAR, no doubt, but they put the, they drawn the line in the sand with all of these teams and they've told them ahead of time what they're going to do if they tamper with any of the parts. And, uh, of course, somebody had to test that. Um, I, I think that NASCAR, fortunately, uh, I think for Team Penske, 
I think what's probably going to end up saving them in the end is that NASCAR caught it before they used it, as far as we know. Uh, I don't know that they they said that they didn't think that uh, they didn't feel uh, that there was any of that tampering that took place during the duel. Um, but of course, everybody's going to question that because uh, Rush Fenway Racing won both of those duels. Um, I, I, I think the fact that they were not actually used on any of the cars. Who do you penalize? If, if it was never used on the number six car, you can't tell the number six that they can't be in the playoffs if they never used the tires. Yeah, they had them at the track, and one of the, things, one of the thoughts that I had is that it would be really interesting uh, if they were given the opportunity to hang themselves Um to see them go through pre-race inspection and post-race inspection with the regulation wheels, and then during a pit stop, they get a chance to change those tires out, and that's when they put on the tampered wheel. Uh, They don't get caught caught pre-race. They don't get caught post-race. But now they've got these these, uh, tampered with tires on uh, during the race. Uh, people are saying it wasn't a competitive advantage. Uh, it was a safety thing. <laughs> Some people are agreeing with that. Some people are not. Uh, it, it, it does seem like a smoke and screen to me uh, that they're saying it was a safety thing. And, and maybe it was a safety thing. Uh, but when you, when you look at the whole picture, in context, it looks like a smoking screen. So they have to be careful about how they're doing these things because, uh, and NASA has to be careful about how they deal with it. I think giving a penalty is going to be extremely difficult only because those tires were never used on any other cars. So who do you penalize? Who do you tell them? Do you tell all of Team Pinsky? or all of Rush Fenway Racing that they can't be eligible for the the playoffs? Uh, I I don't know. But we'll find out what NASCAR decides to do. I think that's the challenge that they're going to be up against in giving a penalty. I do think that a very stiff warning needs to be put out there, though, to make it clear that they're not going to mess around this year with any tampering with any of the parts. And so... I think that ball is in NASCAR's court as far as making it very clear with no questions about it. Uh, We are not going to accept tampering uh, with anything. If you've got to say the whole point, the whole point of having this next generation car and with, you know, making sure you've got all these third-party parts and everything was so that, Every team had the same thing, and nobody had that competitive advantage. Um, And if it was a safety thing, would you not want that to be a safety thing for all the drivers? What good does it do you to do for you to have the safety thing, but none of the other drivers have it? Uh, And they're doing it unsafely uh, from your point of view. I, I, I just... The whole idea is that whatever you come up with, it's something that all of the teams should be have the advantage of, of using as well. 
So in that regard, they crossed the line as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I think it's going to be tricky for NASCAR to hand out a, a, a penalty. Mike? A lot of you guys might not know this, but in addition to being a really lousy amateur race car driver, uh, my other big money suck hobby is I'm really big into collecting and shooting guns. And anybody who is familiar with guns is probably going to be familiar with what I'm going to lay out here. The ATF, the Bureau of All Tobacco and Firearms, they have a concept called constructive intent. And what that basically means is if you have a box of parts that can be assembled into a machine gun, you have a machine gun. Whether or not you put those parts together or not is irrelevant. If you have the parts to make a machine gun in the eyes of the ATF, you are in possession of a machine gun. Roush Fenley Keselowski and Team Penske were in the possession of illegal parts at the racetrack. If they hadn't got caught, would they have mounted them on the race car during the Daytona 500? Of course they're going to say they wouldn't have, but if they hadn't gotten caught, there's really no good reason to say that they wouldn't have. Uh, so it's the same concept of constructive intent. You have those illegal parts in your possession. They are readily able to be mounted on the race car. If they had found them in the, if they had gone to their hauler and they'd found an engine that was bored 30 over, so they have substantially more cubic inch displacement in their engine, that's the same thing. They're in possession of a cheated up part at the racetrack and they need to be treated accordingly. How you handle that? Well, that's going to be the big question. I will say the way the race played out on Sunday, I think, really helps the case for Penske and RFK because there is very obviously a problem with the wheels on the Gen 7 car. I don't know if the mm -hmm. modifications they made to the wheels would have changed the issue, but we saw several cars have wheels fall off of the car, and we also saw at least one wheel completely self-destruct on Justin Haley's car, in addition to some other issues that they had with loose wheels, not getting them mounted on right, uh, having to come back and, and reattach the wheel properly before you come back to the green flag. So there are definitely issues with the wheels on the Gen 7 car that will need to be addressed, and... Maybe Roush or Jack, uh, Jack Roush, Brad Keselowski, and Roger Penske can sit across the table uh, with NASCAR and say, look, if we had done, been allowed to do what we wanted to do with these parts, maybe some of these issues we had during the Daytona 500 wouldn't have happened. And I think that may play out to their favor. If they had gone through that whole Daytona 500 without any issues on the wheels as delivered, well, I think we'd be having a little bit different discussion. So that may color the discussion and the eventual penalty decision on whether that was actually a safety modification that would have been necessary, even if it came with a competitive advantage, or if it was just strictly a competitive advantage they were trying to gain, and now after having been caught trying to play it off as a safety, per, safety consideration. I don't know. I'm not sure the nature of it, but it's going to be something to look at. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, you know, kind of following up what Mike said there, um, even though the, the wheels didn't make it on the race cars for the duels of the 500, you know, the intent was to use those wheels at some point. So given the fact that there was intent involved, you know, I – I, I think that if NASCAR deems that what they did was egregious in terms of manipulating the, the parts, then, then there needs to be a penalty. I guess what I'm most curious about is, was it actually a safety concern, um, you know, or, or was it, 
a performance advantage, and that's what we'll find out this week, I suppose. But, you know, I, it, what's interesting is, you know, when you read the rule book and, and the new penalty system, it's very clear that, you know, manipulating of any parts of this race car is, is a pretty significant penalty. So um, I just I find it interesting that a team would would bring up a safety concern to NASCAR and then have nothing be done about it, but then still go ahead and, and make modifications anyway. That's what I, I don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, these teams ought to know that, you know, if they get caught manipulating parts, that it's a pretty significant penalty. So I think there's there's certainly more questions than answers at this point, and I, I really am curious to, to, to see what NASCAR's finding is and, and what they intend to do. Um, you know, if it's if it's truly nothing more than a safety concern, then, then so be it. Um, you know, but if they deem it to be anything else, I, I think my big question will be how, how severe of a penalty is it? You know, obviously you don't want to you don't want to see teams and organizations get get kicked out of the playoffs. I I don't know that we'll see that at all this year, but um, you know that, that would be a pretty severe penalty, even just losing a crew member or a crew chief for several races, you know, to start the year off, especially um, given that we're going into the West Coast swing with a brand new car that no one really knows anything about yet. So um, kind of going to be interesting to see if these teams are going to be at a deficit, you know, going into these first few races or not. Jay, your follow-up? Well, a lot of people talk about uh, 2019, 20, and 21 being a culture change uh, with the pandemic. My culture change is in 2022 because, yet again, i got to agree with Mike. Uh, Larry McReynolds is another one. You can't judge intent. They had parts that weren't quite right at the track. Uh, You know, he he mentioned having a motor. If you have a motor in your shop, it might be a little bit different that you've been testing to see something, but they had it at the track, so you have that capability. Uh, With that, I think the saving grace, if you will, here from a penalty is going to be of what truly happened if Team Penske, as Roger Penske said, they brought it to NASCAR. To me, if NASCAR had said, no, don't do it, or don't do it yet, we want to look at it some more to decide if it's a safety thing and a betterment. So I think there's several things here that, may lead to, hey, it was wrong, but it's not going to be a penalty um, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, Mike mentioned one um, of why he thinks. I think it is that, that meeting of, you know, if they'd have been told at least don't do it yet until we look at it and get back to you versus if there was just nothing responded to it, then, yeah, a team's going to go, hey, I wasn't told I couldn't. You know, it might, uh, might play in their favor. Um, and I'm kind of with Mike. I have some concerns about this single single lug nut uh, deal. Being that my pick and best finishing driver, by the way, Ryan Blaney, uh, had some issues with his as well on it, getting it on and secure on the right front. So I think there are some things they do need to look at with that, and I'm sure that'll be another hot topic down the road here throughout the season. But for now, I I think we're going to see a it may be just a warning or a, not a level three penalty. But, and I, and I hate where that discussion could go if, if they say it was wrong and they won't let them do it, but then not penalize them. But I think there's enough issues there where it might get, they might get by with it, if you will. Okay, a couple points here. Um, culture change is tough. And I think 
part of the old culture was it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And I think that's the kind of uh, direction that they were working under. But I think NASA made it very clear, no tampering with the parts um, with their new penalty structure. So I, I, I do think that there needs to be a stiff penalty. Uh, it might not be the level three type penalty, but there needs to be a very strong penalty uh, somewhere between the two and the three uh, that makes it very, very clear that this is not acceptable moving forward and you better ask for permission than think that you're going to get by with forgiveness. Um, that with the lug nuts and the issues that happened at Daytona this week, how much of that might have been the way the driver was driving the car versus uh, what happened on the car? Uh, That's part of what I think NASCAR has to take a look at and why we might have to wait uh, in order to get a response on this penalty. Uh, They have to look at the driver's styles. Was it a parts failure? Was it a... uh, you know, because there were a lot of cars on there that on the track that didn't have that problem. So I think part of it might have been the way the drivers were driving those cars that might have caused some of those issues. Um, maybe not all of those issues, because I do think in some cases, I had a conversation uh, with my brother about uh, what kind of tires they're using, and I think they talked a little bit about it on 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 uh, the show too uh those are aluminum tires aluminum is not going to be nearly as strong as the steel tires that they've been used to dealing with uh so nascar is going to have to weigh that uh do they have to maybe go to more of the steel type of a wheel versus the aluminum type of a wheel uh and maybe that's the issue there's a lot of things that are going to go into this, but there were a lot of cars on that track that didn't have a wheel problem. Yes, there were quite a few cars that did, but there were a lot more that didn't have that problem. So that leads me to think that maybe there was an issue, uh, not an issue, I don't want to put it that way, but maybe driving style had an impact in some of those cases. Maybe not all, but some of those cases. But I also think they need to look at the aluminum versus the steel wheel uh, and and what they can do in that regard. So that's all I have to add. It's going to be real interesting to see. I, I We don't know anything about the conversation that happened between uh, Penske, RFK, and NASCAR prior to this weekend. Um, the thing that gets me, and you kind of touched on it, Sharon, is they didn't get positive affirmation one way or the other. They weren't told yes. They weren't told no. That's kind of like when a kid goes to mom and says, hey, can I do this? And mom says, mm-hmm. I don't know. Go ask your dad. And the kid just does it anyway. What's going to happen? Kid's going to get his butt tanned. That's what's going to happen, or at least that's what happened when I was a kid. Um, so without that positive affirmation of, yes, you may do what you are asking to do, that's not a defense on, on Roger Penske's part. Just because NASCAR didn't explicitly tell them no, that doesn't mean that they told them yes. They already told them no several weeks ago when they put out the L3 mm-hmm. penalty schedule that said, thou shalt not tamper with next-gen parts. Period. And any exception to that 
I would assume would have to be a very positive statement of you may make X, Y, and Z modification to this very specific part, and that's the only change that you can make, period, dot. And unless they have very explicit instructions, I would say we're right back to that thou shalt not mess with the Gen 7 parts. And Penske and RFK mess with the Gen 7 parts. And it's going to be on NASCAR of how there is a toe in the water right now. How hot is the water? And NASCAR is going to have to make that very clear to the rest of these teams because it's not just Penske and RFK they're going to learn something here. It's going to be every single other team in the garage. They're going to learn how hot that water is. And if NASCAR says the water is not too hot, this is not the last time that you're going to see somebody messing with a Gen 7 part. I can guarantee it. Okay, and we'll let that be the final word. Uh, we're way over time here, but uh, I don't think we've been cut off yet. So let's go around the table and uh, do our roundtable sign-off. Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, Twitter for me is CB14Fan, and um certainly glad to be on tonight. Obviously, um, a lot of fun uh, going over all the, the Daytona action from this past weekend and uh, definitely happy that the season's been started. So uh, looking forward to uh, my next show. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but um, certainly looking forward to that as well as uh, going back to Fontana this weekend, first time in a couple of years. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun to see uh, Xfinity and cut back out there. Okay. Uh, Jay. Well, to follow up on what Mike and Mandy both said there, uh, next uh, next Thursday, see if we hear on the tire deal here or not. Hot topics, that's always hot. It's not just lukewarm. It's always hot. So hopefully uh, Andy <laughs> can get back on here. I know, Mike, your uh, work schedule is coming up here. Uh, we said you're going to be busy. Uh, I try to represent you if you got your comments in. I don't always necessarily bring the same uh, – same message behind it, but I at least relay it, <laughs> if you will. So if you're not available, uh, put your comments in there like you always do, <laughs> and we'll make sure they at least get shared. So uh, you can follow me on social media. Facebook is Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And weather permitting, actually, I don't think I got any races this weekend. Uh, I got scrubbed this past weekend due to weather. Hopefully that moves on, and come March, uh, be back at it weekly at Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. Okay, and Mike? It's Mike underscore is on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. I do appreciate you bringing my feedback in for me, Jay, because you're right. I've always got comments on pretty much anything. And speaking of my commentary, if you want to see some of it regarding the changes to the teams, the crews, the drivers, the car numbers, that article is up for, on Fan for Racing right now going on over all the changes from the 2021 to the 2022 season. I should be available this coming Thursday, so I look forward to talking to you all then. Okay, sounds good. Um, I also, uh, just to let you know, we did talk again to Christian Rose and Brian Olson earlier in the show. If you haven't heard that part, uh, you'll want to go back and listen to uh, their interviews. Uh, next day, this Thursday coming up, uh, Jay has brought us a, a fantastic guest in Brandon Paul from Floor Sport Racing. He is a uh, uh, communications uh uh, editor, I want to say, but he was also the pit uh, reporter 
on Flow Racing, I know, for the Asphalt uh, World Series of Racing, and uh, he, I, I really enjoyed uh, hearing him do his thing. And uh, he's going to be on our show uh, this Thursday night at 9 o'clock. Next Monday night, we do have uh, uh, Joe Graff Jr. is coming back on the show. He's a regular uh, for the last couple of years now. He's been a regular here at Fab Racing Radio, and we'll look forward to catching up with him and finding out how many more sneakers he has in his collection. Um, so uh, that's Monday night at 9 o'clock. Uh, so a big thank you to our guests, uh, those that were here tonight and those that are coming on in the future, and uh, also to our Fan for Racing crew. Uh, it's always a fun night here on Fan for Racing Radio. I look forward to uh, everybody getting together for every show. Uh, and then to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we've seen a big uptick in the listeners uh, on the radio show. There's been an uptick at the website and uh, a lot of really good things happening here with Damper Racing blog and radio. Uh, so I thank all of our uh, readers and listeners uh, for helping us uh, move forward in that way. Uh, and uh, I think we're ready uh, to call it a night. I'm looking forward to the show on Thursday night uh, with Jay Huseman as co-host and uh, Brandon Paul as our guest. So uh, stay tuned, everybody, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. I guess that's, that's uh, calling it a day, guys. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Have a good, good night. night. Good night, all. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.